Falstaff, you have entered the door to the north. You are now by yourself, standing in a dark room. The pungent stench of mildew emanates from the wet dungeon walls. Where are the Cheetos? They're right next to you. I cast a spell. Where's the Mountain Dew? In the fridge, duh. I want to cast a spell. Can I have a Mountain Dew? Yes, you can have a Mountain Dew. Just go get it. I can cast any of these, right, on the list? Yes, any any of the first level ones. I'm going to get a soda. Anyone want one? Hey, Graham, I'm not in the room, right? What room? I want to cast... Magic missile. A room where he's casting all these spells from. He hasn't cast anything yet. I am, though, if you'd listen. I'm casting magic missile. Why are you casting magic missile? There's nothing to attack here. I, I'm attacking the darkness. <laughs> <laughs> fine, fine. You attack the darkness. There's an elf in front of you. Whoa! That's me, right? He's wearing a, a a brown tunic, and he has gray hair and blue eyes. No, I don't. I have gray eyes. Let me see that sheet. Well, it says I have. Well, it says I have blue, but I decided I wanted gray eyes. Whatever. Okay, you guys can talk to each other now if you want. Hello. Hello. I am Gallstaff, Sorcerer of Light. Then how come you had to cast magic missile? <laughs> <laughs> you, 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 you guys are being attacked. Do I see that happening? No, you're outside by the tavern. Cool, I get drunk. There are there are seven ogres surrounding you. How could they surround us? I had Morton Titan's magical watchdog cast. No, you didn't. I'm getting drunk. Are there any girls there? I totally did. You asked me if I wanted any equipment before this adventure, and I said no. But I need material components for all my spells, so I cast Morton Kynes' faithful watchdog. But you never actually cast it. Roll the dice to see if I'm getting drunk. <sighs> yeah, you are. Are there any girls there? Yeah. I did, though. I completely said when you asked me. No, you didn't. You didn't actually say that you were casting the spell. So now there's ogres, okay? Ogres? Man, I got an ogre slaying knife. It's got a plus nine against ogres. You're not there. You're getting drunk. Okay, but if there's any girls there, I want to do them. That's funny and sad because it's true. And true. Yes. It is three minutes and 15 seconds after, too after much, the hour of five. There was and too much presence there for a second. This the month of April in the year of our Lord 2009. Thank you for coming along and making a part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of Rock 101 KUFO. Thank you for joining us on this Thursday morning. It is the Rick Emerson Show, an excursion into whimsy and amusements of all varieties. Uh, thank you for coming along today. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. If you would like to be part of today's show with your comments, questions, clarifications, ruminations, ponderings, whatever it is you might have to uh, contribute to the universal discussion on this fine uh, morning. It's 503-733-2970. Uh, Greg Nibbler is uh, standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, the mundane, or the absurd. As Mr. Malvert once said, uh, it is 503-733-2970. Uh, just to sort of preemptively address any emails I get, that was the Dead Ale Wives. Uh, that's the name of a comedy troupe, and I think that CD's actually out of print. I don't think you can find that anymore. 
So if you see it online, I'm not telling you to do this. I'm just saying you probably could download that with, with impunity because I don't think you can buy it, actually. So there you go. That was funny. It's It, it actually is one of the funniest things I've ever heard. Um, and the first time I heard that whole bit, that Dungeons & Dragons bit, I actually didn't even hear the audio. The first time I sort of uh, encountered that, somebody the, online somewhere there's a there's like a fan-made video for it where it is actually like a bunch of teenage monsters sitting around a table. They've made some like a visual accompaniment. And it's just a bunch of teenage monsters sitting around a card table in somebody's living room playing Dungeons and Dragons, and they made it so it matches the audio. It's just unbelievable. Um, so there's a reason we played that today. It was either that or the uh, the opening of the Dungeons and Dragons cartoon for the mid-'80s, where the Dungeon Master... I am Dungeon Master. Welcome to the realm of Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, we'll probably play that again later, because there's a... Uh, uh, it's a geek slash snuff watch. It's all very depressing. So, um, and I don't, and it, I think it happened late, late, late last night, early this morning. So I don't know if like Aaron Duran knows about this or not. But uh, anyway, so we have a, a snuff watch slash geek watch. His saving throw failed. So we'll get to uh, we'll get to that later. On. Geek watch coming up today uh, slash snuff watch. Also, did you get this cannibal watch from New Orleans? I have no information on New Orleans oh. cannibals. Okay, here we go. Well, is this Cajun food? I was there a pun there that I missed, or were you just asking if it was Cajun? Because New Orleans is known for its Cajun. Oh, I see. Food. So was it like a blackened cannibal story? I, I don't. I don't know. Um, did I ever tell you that I got in trouble one time as a young uh, DJ for talking about? We were discussing something. We were talking about some church or something that was in New Orleans, and I referred to them uh, eating the blackened body of Christ. And I got off the... Because it's, you know, Cajun. And Catholics did body and blood of Christ. That makes sense. I thought it was hilarious, and uh, the program director did not agree, nor did the general manager, nor did the general manager's wife, who was listening, and found the whole thing to be entirely inappropriate. And I was summoned into the office and given a good long talking to after that day's show. It's that small-town way of thinking. That's exactly right, Tim. That's why you have to go to the big city. You have a little man, a little power, and he thinks he's powerful. Mm-hmm. That's what I learned in Market 179 or whatever it was. And they're probably still there. Yes, they are. All right. It's 503-733-2970 coming up today. Geek Watch, Snuff Watch, Cannibal Watch. Right there uh, from Nylons. Uh We also have Tim Riley's Top 5 Whitest Songs Ever Recorded, which is fantastic. I, uh, Chris Paddock came by my office yesterday. We were talking about something, and... He's going to be doing his tomorrow, so he'll be contributing. We'll wrap up the week with Chris Paddock's top five whitest songs, and he's just agonizing over it, as we so all have. I. It's difficult, man. I, mean, I had it- to sit down with a bowl of oatmeal <laughs> and really wreck my brain to do something new because <laughs> I thought everything has already been done, and Chris Paddock is going to show me up. Sitting down with a bowl of oatmeal. Is that true, Whitey? Yes, it is. All right. Did you have a lump of brown sugar on top of it? And a big spoon. All right. Get me some farina. Uh... So he came by and he said, uh, he goes, well, what about blank? And he sort of tosses out the name of a song. And I will tell you this. I didn't reveal your list, but there is one that he had a single song that overlapped with your list, but he ended up not going with it anyway. That doesn't really matter. So that'll be uh, so that'll be tomorrow. Today, though, Tim Riley's top five widest songs. And as always, it's not even a question of what goes on the list. It's a question of what you leave off, right? Because right. you can make an argument to put lots of stuff on, but, but when you have to exclude something and you got to come up with a reason for that, it's very difficult. And I did. And the main reason behind it was you forbade us to use bubblegum. So I did a big research project on bubblegum music to make sure that none of those could be included. No. 
Yeah, these none of these. Are I don't list the bubblegum songs. No, you are. Then that's, that's totally accurate. There's nothing on here that I would call bubblegum. Right, because bubblegum I found started in 1968 with a Lemon Pipers song and ended in 1972 with the Partridge Family. Although they could have included the Bay City Rollers, which they didn't. They're a bubblegum band. Right. But they came after 1972. Whose definition of is this? Is I this don't from know. Wikipedia. What, Wikipedia and two other sources. So I don't know who started nah, this. Let me just say this. I went with it. Uh, if you if you're interested in bubblegum music, I, I have a fantastic book, uh, actually published locally, published by Feral House. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's a, it's a, it's a you know it's a, the book that achieved, I think achieved some prominence in the early in like 2001, 2002. But it's called Bubblegum Music is the Naked Truth by Kim Fowler, which is just this exhaustive history uh, of bubblegum music from its very inception all the way up through, I guess at that point, like uh, Britney Spears, NSYNC, Backstreet Boys, whatever. And it's uh, it's quite something. And just it reveals layers of that genre you never even knew existed. Anyway, the point is, this list is fantastic. So You bet. Well done. So we'll count that down later. Tim it wraps up very well. It does. I mean, it's just, it kind of... Uh, it brings and brings a different facet to the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So on Tuesday, I counted down my five whitest songs ever. Sarah Dillon did hers yesterday, which is fantastic. Today, Tim. Tomorrow, Chris Paddock. Uh, what else is coming up today? Lost in 408. We will uh, recap and uh, discuss. And by we, I mean people other than myself. We'll discuss last night's episode of Lost. Um, Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com will be uh, joining us today. We'll give away another pair of tickets to see the Jägermeister Music Tour at the Roseland featuring Pennywise. That also comes with a Pennywise skate deck, and you'll be entered into uh, a grand prize drawing for a Jägermeister tap machine, a custom Jägermeister guitar, a PV amplifier, and a JVC HD radio. So that's on the way as well. Um, I've got... Have you heard this, this Billy Bob Thornton thing that happened? I have not heard it. I've read it. He was on this. Uh, he was in some uh, some radio show in Canada, some Toronto uh, talk show, or, you know, some a music show, or whatever. They were interviewing him, and it wasn't even the. It wasn't that he went crazy, sort of overtly, like he started yelling or screaming. He, it was just one of those interviews, and we've had some of these in the past, where you get about four words in, and you just know it's going. You know it's going badly, and you can tell that the guest doesn't want to be there. That there was somebody somewhere in an office building who told him he was doing a series of interviews. He resisted. They ordered him to do it anyway. And then it all just manifested itself on the air when he just it ended up being just a, just a huge dick about the whole thing. So I've got some audio from that. And then I think you've got a little bit of this Britney. I don't even want to call that a meltdown either. It's just she started saying really weird, off-putting things on stage. Well, then things progressively got worse due to pot smoking. Is that true? Yeah, See, well, I don't even know. Well, that's that. actually the top story. Oh, that, all right. What you're talking about is only a sidelight to the big event. There's too many things. Last night of Vancouver. All right, so we have a Britney watch coming up today. Not our Vancouver. No, it's uh, it's the godless uh, it's Vancouver, the, the North. Vancouver. Well, they don't have morals up there. That's why these things happen. Uh, also, the new uh, No Doubt uh, single has been leaked out, and boy, is it bad. Are we going to be playing it? I mean, I don't... It, look, maybe it's just... Oh, yeah, we're going to play it, because I just had the uh, Nibbler go through it and check to make sure that it was free of profanity, uh, that uh, Gwen Stefani wasn't getting all uh, edgy and provocative on us. She's not getting provocative. What she is getting is... I She's got that thing that Madonna had for a while. Remember, you'd see interviews with Madonna where she was she had some strange accent that she sort of picked up after living in, after living in Britain for like a day and a half. Which is sort of like how Kathleen Turner sounds progressively more German with every year that she's... Even though she lives in, like, Baltimore or something. So, but Gwen Stefani chooses to sing this whole new song in 
this kind of weird, angular sort of tone that doesn't make any sense at all. So uh, we'll get to that. And I, I beyond that, I, I honestly don't know if we'll have time for anything else. There's just uh, so much show happening already. Kelly Clark from the Willamette Week will be here uh, as well. Tim Riley's working on the following stories for your edification on this Thursday. So Brittany storms off stage. We're close to 30 minutes in Vancouver last night due to pot smoke in the auditorium. Stops the show until the smoke clears. Then tells the crowd not to smoke weed and drive carefully. Today's bankruptcy hearing could spell the end of an Oregon institution known as Joe's, which is better known as G.I. Joe's. Bad news for 460 furloughed country coach employees who work uh, further down south from here. They'll be formally terminated on April 14th. An honest Los Angeles woman, the only one, finds a cashier's check for over $350,000 and returns it. U.S. warships arrive off Somalia. They're in a standoff with pirates who renege on a deal to release an American hostage. By popular demand, imagine this. Kim Jong-il is re-elected president of North Korea. <laughs> Excellent. The people have spoken, Tim. And fresh from a tongue lashing, Chrysler unveils its new gas-guzzling SUV that gets up to 20 miles per gallon. Ooh. Christ? Chrysler. 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 Okay. Chrysler. Sorry. And two Detroit men are charged with stealing restaurant grease. Rihanna creates her own perfume, and Lindsay Lohan is the saddest girl in the world right now. That's that's the other thing. Is it, was it the, I forget where the guy was from. It wasn't the TMZ cut we had the other day. But there was some reporter that caught her last night somewhere and was asking her about uh, Samantha Ronson. And Lindsay Lohan, who was clearly just in, like, in the, just the deepest stages of denial, said something uh, said something about it, the fact of... Uh, God, what did she say? She said, "No, no, no. We're just uh, we're just figuring things out right now, or something." But just she sounds full on screaming crazy. Uh, oh, and apparently, and apparently, won't eat it all uh, in any way, and is wasting away, and will soon uh, slip into a subatomic space between some sofa. Oh yeah, she's going crazy. Yes, she is, Sarah. Hello, how are you? Oh God, I was on TMZ looking for the latest on Lindsay Lohan, and I just came across another sham wow slash bloody prostitute picture. Let me see that. Those are the best kind. Oh, that's, that's bad. bad. Oh, that's really bad. Why did I look at that? I didn't. I think, don't know. Are you sure they're not dead? Are you sure those aren't? Is that like an artist rendering of what their corpses might someday look like? That's a T- is that Photoshop? That's a TMZ.com, by the way. That's a- New police evidence taken shortly after Vince Shlomi, a.k.a. the Shamwell guy, allegedly fought a Miami hooker that neither party can weigh unscathed. Shows the bloody sheets and even a bloody cordless phone left behind. Yeah. That doesn't sound like just a... I mean, I'm not saying that any sort of violence is acceptable. That doesn't sound like he's just sort of, you know, cuffing her to get her to, to, to let go of his tongue or whatever. The oh, is. I... Oh, i got to stop looking at that. That seems like a lot of... Well, I guess if he was... If, if the pummeling started, this is his claim, when she... When the hooker bit his tongue and wouldn't let go... And my whole thing is, why would you punch her? Because that's just going to cause injury to your tongue. Why wouldn't you just like knee her or something, or just you know give her like a jab in the stomach? Because then she, you know, then she go like oh, and open her mouth, and then you can take your tongue out. It seems like if you weren't thinking clearly to start punching her in the face, those photos would be the end result, though. Because mm-hmm. that's a whole lot of bleeding going on right there. Well, that's a whole lot of bad. Wow. Unfortunately, I'm going to have to put it up on my blog. All right. Well, of course. I mean, so you'll of be able to course. see this at sarahxdillon.com uh, <laughs> here in a mere moment. Hey, by the way, I have to say your hair looks fantastic. <gasps> Thank you. Yeah, I decided uh, I was redoing my roots. And then my friend had some extra color, so I decided to dye part of it blue. So this is... Um, Trying to ex- here's kind of what your hair looks like today, and I mean this in the best way possible. It looks like do you remember like in the uh, the early '90s they had those things you could buy at Spencer's Gifts, and it was like a spray of those fiber optic plastic tubes that had the the the, the, yes. the changing lights coming out of the end. That's kind of what your hair looks like. I know it's it that looks kind of blue. cool. I've never because I've never had blue before, and so. 
because yeah, it uh, like is brighter in some parts and then like kind of greenish on the others. I don't know, whatever. I figure one of these days I'm going to be too old to be able to dye my hair different colors. So I'm just going to keep doing it until I feel like it's wrong. And You're so- never too old to dye your hair. No, no, no. You'll, no, I suspect you'll be able to. Here's the thing, because I think that you'll be able to make that work. I think that most people go through a bell curve where, like, when you're younger, you can dress however you want. And then when you're really old, you can dress however you want. And there's this middle ground where you got to act adult. I think you're going to be able to successfully skip that middle ground. Okay. That would be my theory. I don't think you have to worry Nancy about Nancy Reagan that. still dyes her hair. Yes, she does, Tim. <laughs> Wait a minute. No, no, no. She's dead, though, isn't she? No, she's alive. Damn it. All right. Oh, speaking of people who... Well, Wayne Newton, well, parts of him are 67 today. There's that, that's no a, first way. First of all, that's a lie. Only because parts, the parts you can't see. But he's like 70. There's no way At that he's least. only 67. That's, that's, the, that's are age. Are you going to argue with somebody in Vegas? No. No, I suppose not. He's yet. 67. And he'll pummel you. He's a big guy. And don't you get the sense that Wayne Newton also has anger management problems? It seems like he probably has a... Seems like he's probably given a beat down to a, somebody or you know a person or two in his life. I don't think you can live in Vegas for as long as he has and not be kind of jaded. You know, there's a street named after him in Vegas. Oh, speaking of Vegas, by the way, it's sort of a confluence of all the above. Uh, let us not forget that two weeks from tomorrow, I'm going to be leaving to go to Vegas uh, to see Britney Spears. Hopefully, she doesn't walk out on you for uh, 20 like, minutes. But see, the thing is, I don't like. I don't even care. That's the thing. Like, I don't mean to sound as though the money is incidental to me. It's not. But it's. It, but I am fully... I, I keep having this argument with people who... Uh, so, th- there's any number of people in the building here who have sort of, I would say, kind of angrily confronted me about the fact that I spent money on Britney Spears tickets. And, oh, my God. And, maybe you'll get to witness a breakdown. Well, that's my that's thing. That's awesome. Like, I, I, mm-hmm. I some do you ever feel like you do you feel like you sometimes live in a different plane of existence from other people in, mm-hmm. in this sense that I was trying to explain to somebody and I want to identify this person it was like oh I cannot believe you would pay money to see her you know she doesn't even really sing and I said well I I said it's just but it's just a thing it's a, it's a, it is a it is a slice of the popular culture uh, you know Britney Spears is a, you know she's she is sort of iconic in a, in a horrible way whether you you know whether you're kind of into what she does or not and I said well I just I just want to go. And I want to say that I saw her, and I want to add it to the list of pop culture events that I have witnessed in person. She's a Marilyn Monroe who keeps on living. That's the... That's, yes, yes, she is, Tim. Long, long after she has outlived her usefulness to anyone, uh, she just continues to walk around. Um, but I was like, you know, I just want to go, because here's the thing. Someday, she's going to be dead or crazy or just uh, or, or locked in a room somewhere, and I won't be able to have, uh, you know, I won't have the chance to see her. So it's like, I'm going to go do it now. Same reason I went to see the Spice Girls. I'm totally unashamed. Uh, you know, th- because they were part of the popular culture, so I wanted to be there. But I don't get if she comes out on stage and melts down. That's like the if she walks out after five minutes, that's the best possible outcome for me. Because it's not like I'm going for the you know for the, the, the sort of musical aspect. But of you it. can, you must believe that there's a double waiting backstage for that moment to happen. And they'll pull her back and send the double on stage, and nobody will know for months that it's not Britney Spears. Well, you know, they were speculating that Siegfried and Roy did that with their farewell performance, mm-hmm. because I guess even in rehearsals, the guy, the 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 Roy guy, had like one of like a big mask on that you couldn't ever, you couldn't. Right, ever, they don't want to sacrifice could, the real one to the tiger again. Yeah. Well, you know, and Kiss was notorious for for doing that. There's this famous story that uh, I think Cheap Trick has subsequently confirmed that when Kiss was playing the L.A. Forum in 19... This would have been like around the Alive 2 era, so maybe like 1978 or so. This is when Peter Chris was still in the band, but just so high and drunk all the time that he couldn't even bring himself to perform. Like, couldn't get him out of his dressing room. And you guys know Bun E. Carlos, who was the drummer for Cheap Trick? He looks like Wilford Brimley. He's a big, fat guy with glasses and a beard and a mustache, and he's bald. And so there's this great story about how they couldn't get Peter Chris out of the dressing room. 
And at the last moment, they were able to get Peter Chris to just stand up and walk out on stage and drum for like an hour or so before they had to call it a day. But Gene and Paul were literally backstage having Bun E. Carlos from Cheap Trick put on a Peter Chris outfit. And like, and it, would you be like your dad dressing up like Peter Chris if your dad was a big, fat, bald guy? So, anyway, I'm just saying there's a long history of that. Well, it's like the chiropractor playing Boris Karloff. Exactly. No, it's uncanny. Just hold this in front of your face. Uh... Well, we, uh, when we return on the other side, oh, I got a little bit of Osmond's news, too. And right here, you know what these are? What's these in there? These are the fabled giant Cheetos that that <gasps> guy called the show about. He found these giant Cheetos at a Walgreens. They're and mutants he, from another world. Does that mean world. he also brought the muffins? I'll just read this note, and then uh, and then we'll do this. And then on the other side, we have Dick Uliano, Tim Riley, uh, your calls. Rick, Sarah, Tim, here are the giant Cheetos I called about. Sorry about the Costco muffins. I ate them. Brad. Sarah's a sad panda. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. All right, whatever. Uh, I'm sorry, that was... uh the continuation of a uh, discussion happening during the uh, break here. So this is just, uh, for those who uh, don't know, which would be, I think, everybody except myself and Tim and Sarah, what we were just talking about. So Sarah Dillon, as we were uh, playing that Papa Roach song just now, Sarah is sending out a what? I know I did not send out anything. I decided to update it because every, like, I've had so many emails from people you updated writing what? to me. Just now. I didn't update it. I just wrote something. On? Twitter. Okay, so, well, first of all, I know I sound like an old guy here, but what is the difference? What do you mean you updated your Twitter? And I don't, I don't know. It's Twitter. the first time I've ever done it. All I wrote was because you know Lisa Wood and I are interviewing X today, and so like I, I keep getting every day, I keep getting like more people saying following you on Twitter. Mm. So I'm we're interviewing X at noon, so I decided to write, hey, does anyone have any questions that you want me to ask the members of X today? Let me list the reasons why I hate you. Really, there's only <laughs> one. The it was like. It, it, I don't even. I don't know if this was on the air or if it was off the air. I honestly don't remember. But literally, it was like a day ago. It was off ago. the air. I think it was like a day, maybe a day and a half ago. That we were here in the studio, and yeah, maybe it was during a break or something. I think it was but, yesterday. But I actually flat out said, "I said, should I just get a Twitter account and just break down and do it?" And you did without hesitation. No. And I said, "I know, but it doesn't it seem like." And I mentioned uh, 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 Stephanie Strickland, and you know, there's a lot of people yeah. who do. You know, there's a lot of folks out there who are sort of you know in the media who are. Twittering or whatever, which sounds dumb even to say out loud now. And I know it's a thing everybody's doing. This, but the Twitter is sort of like that moons over my hammy thing at at, uh, at Denny's. No matter how good it is, you feel silly saying it. Mm-hmm. Ordering a Rudy Tooty fresh and fruity makes you feel like a retard. There's just no way around that. So I said, I said, so Sarah, do you think I should just break down and get a Twitter account? And like you definitively, authoritatively said no. You didn't even hesitate. And that was good enough for me. And I said, well, okay, moving on. And so now fast forward to a day later where during the break, <laughs> you yourself are sending out a Twitter. And here's the thing. You didn't even tell me this is how I know that you, in your heart it, you knew it was kind of silly to do or you knew that you were – you knew that uh, that I would have this discussion with you because you didn't actually tell me that you created a Twitter account. You just skipped, skipped right to the – I just sent one out. No, I saved because I was – you know, whenever a new like networking – social networking thing starts, like I, I go in and save my name. So I right. saved uh, Sarah Dillon and Sarah X Dillon. Right. And I've never used it before and then like, you know, I'd seen – so and so, because like my friends like Kelsey and like Fat Boy and everyone are like to- always like updating it. Did you stuff. refer to yourself in the third person? No, I did not. I wrote, "Does anyone have any questions that you want me to ask the interviews of X today?" 
I think it's all right if you don't speak about yourself in the third person. I'm like, Sarah wants to know if you have... Ew, I can't even say it. See, now you're making out rules about it. If you had a ghostwriter doing it, like all the celebrities do. <laughs> Hire Larry Sloman like to write Spears it for you. Spears probably doesn't write her own. So, these are, so this is now how you're making it okay within yourself. As long as you don't speak about yourself in the third person, it's fine. Exactly. Is that like when the uh, husband goes, well, I mean, look, as, I mean, as long as we're not in love, right? As, like if it's a hooker or something. I mean, that's different, baby. Twitter's you know that. my hooker. That's... So, all right. Well, there you go. Are you going to be uh, Twittering uh, frequently? No, but do you want me to find you one? Send out a thing about what you had for breakfast. Everybody seems to like that. Oatmeal. I had a piece of toast. All right. Does anybody else in the room have anything they'd like to reveal about having a secret Twitter account? Anyone? I, I don't. I don't know how to uh, set up a Twitterer. I mean, let me just... Oh, let me. How, see. how much would I have to say on one? See, but I... See, I, I think Once it's a like week, a... I go out and get gas, and I look for the lowest prices. Would anybody care about <laughs> Tim that? Tim Riley is clipping coupons. I found the lowest prices on TV Highway for gasoline. Tim Riley is walking through a Tannisborn uh, Safeway, holding one of those little things in your hand that calculates how much money you've spent as you go along. I am using a dust buster to vacuum pillows. <laughs> All right. Are those items of interest that would go on a Twitter? I I honestly don't know. So let me just ask what do you. What people care about? So let me ask you again, just now with this new information, Sarah. Is this a thing that you feel like I ought to be doing? I just saved it for you. All right. Thank you so much. Is that Rick Emerson? Yep. All right. Thank you. I the next Somebody already probably has all mine. Right. Well, that makes that makes up for all Does of your Does that deception. make you feel better? All of your deceit. <laughs> so what are you, are you going to be using it just for show stuff? Because you do the punk show on Sunday night as well. Yes. So you're no, not I, gonna... You know me. I mean... I don't like putting a lot of my personal stuff on the internet. And you know, well, and here's the other thing is, see, the weird thing about it is, we were talking about this the other day, that I'm such an early adopter with gadgets and with, by technologies that are sort of, you know, physical technologies, like an MP3 player or a TiVo or anything like that. Like that stuff, like if it's something I can go to Fry's and buy and mm. take home and hold in my hands, I'll buy that like the instant it comes on the market. But online... Technology like social networking stuff, like again, we talk about how I have, you know, the, 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 I've resisted Facebook just forever. Like I have a MySpace account, which is, is bad enough in the sense, not that I like having it, but just that it's, you know, you got to keep it updated, you got to work at it. I don't like the MySpace either. Well, too much information. Well, and it's just sort of, and I'm, I'm not really complaining about it that much. I mean, there, there are many, many, many worse problems one could have. I'm just saying, especially if you're going to be in the media, any, you know, in any way, you feel like you got to keep all that stuff fresh. In other words, you don't want to go like ten days and not update it. Because every now and again, like just at, like at uh, RickEmerson.com, just on my blog, I'll I'll you know lose track of time, and then I look up and I realize it's been three days, and something's you know it'll be Friday, and it still says on Tuesday's show we'll have, and then I feel like a jackass, and I got to go do that. I noticed that a lot. What? Thanks, Tim. No. <laughs> so what you should do is Twitter me about it with a scolding message. <laughs> Rick Emerson is a slacker and hasn't updated his weblog. He doesn't care. Do you have to write something on Twitter every day? Well, I don't know. See, that's I don't know either. I don't know the there. rules. Is Twitter like... How do you get rid of old messages? Is, well, that's the other thing. If like, you, I'm going to the store to buy a carrot. If you... Today. <laughs> and, and next week, will it still be there? Mm, I like cookies. Yes. I think they just stack on top of each other. See, but if you post something on Twitter or if you Twitter something on... A post, what, what if, whatever it is that happens. <laughs> God, I sound like a retard, but I don't even know what I'm talking about. What if about. plans change and you already put that message out there? But that's well, you can the old that's it, But can you remove it, though? I don't know if you can remove it. When you're it. twittering, does it show up on somebody's webpage or on their phone? Yes, you can remove it. Okay, so you can uh, delete it. Yes, but... I see, because there's a little garbage can. I said delete this update, or you can favorite this update. I know we're supposed to be doing news here, but I, I feel like I have to... No, so, I'm, I'm curious about it myself. All right. Let me just, let's walk. I'm going to be pressured to do one sooner or later. Let me just walk through this really quickly. Uh, and then ahead we have uh, Dick Juliano, who I swear to God is going to talk about pirates, which here's the thing. I'll just say this now because I can't really say it with Dick Juliano on the phone because he's a professional. 
I know that that pirate story is a real, actual, serious, yeah. big international crisis. Mm-hmm. I know that, and I know that human lives are at risk, and I know that there's, you know, it's the big test for Barack Obama. It's just so hard to talk about it without making jokes, though, because, as Johnny Depp would say... You think of Johnny Depp. <laughs> as Johnny Depp would say, hello, pirate. So, I just... It, I'm just gonna just gonna say that right now that there's all that tension and awkwardness in the interview because not I was, all of them have the hats. No, because these are Somalis, so they're probably poor. They probably don't have hats. And it, you know, and you just keep hearing what's his name uh, from the Simpsons. The, you know, ah, too late do I realize my children are my only real treasure. You know, and it's like, but you can't say that. All right, we're gonna walk through uh, the twittering process one step at a time. We're gonna do that later on. All right, I'm writing this down. Twitter steps. God, that word just annoys me. What does that mean? I, uh, I don't know. It means that every other domain name was was taken, and the company had to have something to show the stockholders. That's what it means. All right. Uh, Dick Giuliano from CNN ahead. We'll, we'll talk Twittering. Uh, we'll talk pirating. Uh, Tim Riley will have news for us. Later on, Mr. Skin, Kelly Clark from Willamette Week, and the widest songs ever. Stay there. It's Rick Emerson Show. The Rick Emerson Show returns. Rose. Well, we're going, we don't need roads. This is Rock 101 KUFO. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. All right, so I've got... These are the... These are weird. These well, I'm are hungry the, today. These are uh, giant Cheetos. How many of them come in a bag? Uh, Two. Feels like... Now, it feels like five. And it seems like they're, it, they seem sort of ping pong ball size. So we had the. So we had somebody call uh, about these. Listener Brad called, and he had. I think he'd purchased some Costco muffins and then also these. All right, Tim? Giant Cheetos? I'll pass on Giant Cheetos. All right, then. I won't. I, I, I'm just saying I just you'll regret my oatmeal. You'll regret it later. That's, that's Oops, the only maybe. point I'm trying to make there. Is that, you, there's going to come a point later this afternoon, your own personal tea time of the soul, where you look deep within yourself and you say, I should have taken those Cheetos home with me. Doubtful. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show, CNN Radio correspondent, Dick Uliano. Hello, sir. How are you today? Hey, I'm doing great. Good morning from Washington, Rick. Uh, just uh, don't be distracted if you hear this sort of a cellophane sound in the background. We are holding a, a newly unveiled product, Giant Cheetos, which are, in fact, okay. Are it's, those, a, it's an enormous, oversized, like, deformed cheese ball. Are those Seriously. Not, they, they are, they're essentially It looks like a marshmallow. Balls. But that's exactly what it looks like. It, it looks like a normal large marshmallow, but it is real Cheetos. It is in fact a Cheeto. They are, they are Cheetos giant, is what they're called. Party. Uh, <laughs> we're cutting loose, uh, Dick. We're uh, we're getting crazy. If I were you, I'd alert the proper authorities. All right. So just keep an eye out. These will be appearing on a store shelf near you, Sarah. How would you rank that on the classic one to five scale? Oh my God, it's really good. Fantastic. All right. Pass the Cheetos, please. Uh, speaking of alerting the proper authorities, uh, I was watching uh, Anderson Cooper last night. They, they, uh, obviously one of the big stories is this sort of pirate thing off the, off the, uh, the coast of Somalia, which is, it seems like along with the economy, this is the first real rubber meets the road, uh, test of uh, Barack Obama, right? Oh, because yeah. uh-huh. this is a, this is a big deal. And it probably is not an overstatement to say that, um, that kind of everybody is watching from around the world to see how he's going to, how he's going to handle this. So where are we now with this, with this story? 
Yeah, I think you make a good point. The White House says they are monitoring the situation. Uh, the Navy ship Bainbridge, which is a guided missile destroyer, is on the scene. Uh, the White House says uh, the paramount concern is the safety of the crew and the ship's captain. And, Rick, uh, the uh, Maersk shipping line of Norfolk, Virginia, uh, which owns the cargo ship uh, Alabama, uh, pirated by these uh, these guys from Somalia, uh, says the situation is virtually unchanged from overnight. The crew members, 19 Americans, are safe on the Alabama, but the ship's captain, Richard Phillips, is a captive to four of the pirates in a lifeboat bobbing in the water nearby. And the Bainbridge is looking over this uh, situation, and uh, they say that uh, the safety of the captain is the top priority, and uh, they're uh, sort of just seeing what happens next. So here's a question. You always hear this, that if you're 12 miles offshore or whatever, you're in international waters and there's nobody has jurisdiction or something. So is that the same thing as saying that there's that you're in the middle of the, of the ocean, there's, there's no law anywhere? Well, there's international uh, law, uh, maritime law, uh, and this is indeed in international waters, and uh, that's what would apply. Uh, and I'm not really familiar with, with too much of that stuff, but, uh, you know, really I think it's a, it's sort of a human condition type of a situation where they're just going to try to figure out what these guys are going to do. They want to make sure that the captain is, uh, is not harmed, and they just want to get him back safely. And that's what the shipping company says its goal is. And by the way, the, uh, the Navy ship is basically in charge of the scene now. They're calling the shots as far as uh, all the Americans are concerned there. And as I say earlier, the White House is carefully monitoring the situation and, uh, you know, not yet intervening in any way. All right, Dick Uliano, my friend, thank you so much. Sure we will speak with you soon. There you go, Dick Uliano, CNN Radio Correspondent. Thanks so much. Where did that come from? Zola's pirate in the room. Was that from Tim? Me. Yar. Okay, I demand to know who's pl- I demand to know who's playing the pirate sound effects. <laughs> Aha! J'accuse! All right. Because there are two pies. Is this from the Lots of Laughs prep service? This is how seriously the story is being taken. <laughs> Have they created that pirate sound just for Kooky there's Morning a, there's Show? There's a whole list of Kooky Morning Show pirates. Really? Because we're taking this so seriously. Is there a pirate montage that the uh, the prep service has? Uh, this, by the way, is the morning prep service that we... That they're the... Uh, are these the folks That's that... Like get, a sexy... Please stop that. Are the... Are these... Is this the, the same... As, arr, 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 arr. I feel like I'm stoned. Is this is this the same group that made the the, uh, the little Pepe or the little puppet, the, the Spanish word of the day thing? Yes. Yeah. All right. Let's... One more. Rumor has it that you're a pirate. Moving ahead, here's Tim Riley at the news desk. <laughs> Oh, oh, come on. That's great. There we go. Fantastic. In the news the, with yeah. Tim Riley. The best part, by the The best part is how just, you know, all of our sort of intros and the liners and all of it, they all, um, it all comes off a hard drive. And so, or as a pirate would say, a hard drive. Uh, <laughs> the best part is how Tim's news intro actually stuck right there because the hard drive froze up. But all of the retarded sound effects from the lots of no, lots prep service, they all play flawlessly. And if we do the like the, the Spanglish word of the day or whatever that thing is from the the little the little puppet character, if we do really seriously, don't make me come over there. Oh, I'll, I'll forcibly remove that sound card. Yeah, it's uh, the only thing that works. 
We're gonna instead of playing the usual things off the AV today. Instead of playing actual, we're gonna play pirate sounds all day long. Actually, that's the way to uh, that's the way to a successful uh, show, Tim. That is the way to earning the hearts and minds of the American people. But of course, everything from uh, from the ridiculous prep service plays flawlessly. They probably got a dedicated server set aside for that. Can we please do a little puppets Mexican word of the day? It's been a week. Yes, we can. Sarah. Okay, we don't need you right now, but I mean, like later. maybe like in the next hour, okay, we'll do that. I'm sure that'll work. All right, here's uh, here's Tim Riley. So there's a drama as Brittany appears in Vancouver. Not our beloved Vancouver next door, but the one from Canada. Is this a Britney watch? It is indeed. All right, let's see if that plays correctly. Ladies and gentlemen, here's your Britney watch. in uh, local band Nickel Arcade there with that's uh, that's I heard half a pirate sound just there I didn't all right that is uh that is the Britney watch that is a uh, vodka in heaven Britney's theme all right here's Tim Riley with your, uh, your so Britney watch Britney who's a smoker put the brakes on her Vancouver concert last night because it was too smoky who uh well she doesn't sing live of course she walked off stage after just three songs the concert came to a complete standstill lights off for almost 30 minutes, and a voice comes over the loudspeaker to announce that the show would not continue if people kept sm- smoking marijuana. Now, where was this at? This was in Vancouver, Vancouver B.C.? Mm-hmm. Uh, the announcer claimed it was unsafe for Britney and the performers to continue with the concert with all the smoke. About 40 minutes later, Britney finally took to the stage, much to the relief of thousands of attendants. But one concertgoer says... She did not look uh, like she was into it at all. Well, I mean, first of all, I mean, certain shows you go to, and I think you just sort of expect that, like, three songs in, you're going to get the big cloud of pot smoke that goes up. That really seems like a Britney Spears concert is the place for that, though. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe things, maybe things are different in uh, the godless north, but I don't really know what I think. That, I mean, I, here's the thing. Like, I'm going uh, to Vegas in two weeks. I'll be, she's playing at the MGM Grand. And Vegas is probably not representative. It's probably not a typical audience because you got, in Vegas, you probably get a lot of people like me who are there, because I, I wanted to go to Vegas anyway, because the Osmonds are playing. And so it's, you know, Britney's just kind of part of the whole, you know, she's part of the whole experience. And you know, I'm not going to, I'd be going to Vegas anyway, but she's there, and so it overlaps and whatever. But it seems like if you're just, if you're in Vancouver, B.C., like that's that's destination uh, entertainment. That's a thing where you specifically bought a ticket because you want to go see Britney Spears. And so I really don't know what to expect in terms of the audience, though, like in terms of the crowd that's going to be there. Oh, it's going to be ridiculous. It's going to be you and a bunch of, like, frat boys. See, is that the thing? Because there would have been a certain point, maybe, I don't know, like 2000, where it would have been all it would have been all young girls. It would have been all 12 and 13 year old girls. And but it seems like it's too soon for it to be, you know, like like 20 something or like, in other words, it's not going to be adult women who are suddenly you're having like nostalgia or retro or whatever. Because Britney hasn't been gone long enough. Right. So the question is... They're who, still fairly slim, so, the audience members. Yes, they are, Tim. So who goes to see Britney Spears at this point? And that's further complicated by the issue that apparently the whole place was filling up with reefer smoke. Well, I think it was a lot of hockey fans because they started chanting Canucks, Canucks, Canucks while they were waiting. <laughs> really? Yes. Okay. And let's see. We have the statement from Britney's website. It says... We want to apologize to all the fans who attended our Vancouver show tonight for the brief pause in Britney's set. Crew members above the stage became ill due to a ventilation issue. And there are zero comments. 
Well, but because who would possibly? That's my thing. It's like who would be logging in for the? No, no, no. I have to. Oh, I have. Oh, I got to register I for an account. To I have to. I have to. Uh, I have to opine upon this Britney Spears news. So during the concert, uh, Britney said, uh, shouted something over the microphone. It was, she said, "quote We're gonna rock it out." This is so. Is this where this is censored? But she says we're going to rock out it, with our blank blank. Right. Oh, yeah. uh, she's edgy. Was there any context for this? Uh, let's see. I'm looking here. Because that doesn't... No, I mean, this isn't the first time that Britney said something at a concert that she probably should have. Uh, during a concert last month, she thought the microphone was off when she uh, talked about her female anatomy hanging out. And we know what part that was. You'll hear it. So you can't... You, I don't know if you can that's hear not, there. That's not very clear. But no, but but what what you can tell there is that's obviously recorded by somebody in the crowd. But you can tell that it went over the PA into the auditorium, mm. where you heard Brittany discussing how parts of her were not only uncovered, but in fact untethered. But out. Yeah, they were they were totally untethered and unmoored apparently. So in this one, which is censored, Brittany says we're going to rock with our blanks out. <laughs> She's all class. Just sort of of a shouting everything that comes into your head uh, thing going on with that girl. There's your Britney watch for Thursday on the Rick Emerson Show. Nickel Arcade with Britney's theme, ladies and gentlemen. The Rick Emerson Show continues next on Rock 101 KUFO. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Thank you for joining us. It is uh, Thursday morning. Oh, by the way, I didn't catch this, but somebody emailed me about it. It says, Rick, this morning, and I think they actually mean yesterday morning. This morning on K2, Carl Click was reporting with Natalie about Miley Cyrus, and Carl referred to Billy Cyrus as Miley's husband. <laughs> Natalie had to correct him anyway. For what it's worth, I found it amusing. So I'm well, he's probably going according to the photos. I really, if, if you were to go on only the visual or auditory evidence, uh, one could be forgiven for coming to that conclusion. So, all right. Uh, let's see what else do we have here. Our good friend Peter Carlin emails Rick. True confession says Peter Carlin, features writer for the Oregonian. When I was in high school, I played keyboards in the stage band. What is the stage band? Is the stage band like? Is that for uh, like the? I don't uh, know. Is the stage band like for, like for uh, music class or something, or is that like is the stage band like you is that uh, like you're playing at at pep assemblies or whatever it is they have? Anyway, oh here we go. He says we play pop and jazz tunes at assemblies, basketball games, etc. Imagine by the way, Peter Carlin being in a band that plays at a basketball game. Lots of Earth, Wind, and Fire tunes and Grover Washington Jr. and so on. Anyway, one thing led to another, says Peter Carlin from the Oregonian. And for a brief shining moment in the spring of 1979, our repertoire also included Do You Think I'm Sexy? Sung by, <laughs> sung by yes, that's right, me, Peter Carlin. So I emailed him back and I demanded that he find either a photo or a recording of Peter Carlin in this band singing a Do You Think I'm Sexy? 
So I haven't heard back from him, uh, probably unsurprisingly. But he probably wrote that to you when he was drunk, and he's like, "I shouldn't have told him." I did kind of get the sense that because he, I because I responded back and I said, "You got to find me a photo. You got to find me a recording." And he emailed me back with something else, and then he just ended it with a but like an A that was held down uh, for like thirty seconds, like (laughs) just a whole row of them. So. I don't know. We'll uh, we'll see if that turns up. Tim Riley's working on the following stories on this Thursday morning. An Everett Washington man gets life for a robbery after claiming a bag of yogurt was a bomb. Parts of Wayne Newton turned 67 today. Chrysler unveils its new gas-guzzling SUV that gets up to 20 miles per gallon. Rihanna creates her own perfume. Lindsay Lohan is now the saddest girl in the world. If I were uh, Rihanna's perfume, I would be called... I was waiting for you to come up. That's with why I put this in here. To uh, make you think. See, and that's uh, Tim. That's why. That's why we work so well because we've got because it's an unspoken kind of communication. It the is. three of us. Have. But you're totally failing right now. Uh, I know. It, 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 Rihanna's perfume would be. See, this is the sort of thing that's kind of dangerous because it's knockout. Be, that's the CBS News desk that said that. That is the official stance of the CBS uh, News Department. Rihanna's new perfume will be called uh, Rihanna is a Anywho, that was a delay. I pushed that a long time ago, like an hour ago. Yeah. <laughs> we are having a we are having a little bit of a uh, we're having a little bit of a delayed kick in on some of our uh, sound cuts today. All right, it's piracy. I tell you, stop it. It's five zero three seven three three twenty. You know, talk like a pirate days until like September. I don't know. You've latched onto it. I was talking to Sarah actually. This is a, when you were out of the room. I made the observation that normally uh, it's either Sarah or I who are a little uh, coming with a mischievous gleam in our eyes and are ever so slightly giddy about things. It's uniquely unnerving when it's you, though. When you uh, when you sort of go after something uh, like that and uh, and start springing it on us, I find it it's it's, it's sort of disconcerting. I, I sort of feel like. Because you're normally the mature one in the room, and, and so when you begin to get a little wacky about things, I just I feel all uh, I feel all mentally untethered. Which That's is the not, last one I'll play for. No, a no, while. no. I'm not. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying it makes. I'm just saying it puts things into a wholly, uh, uh, wholly unfamiliar context. I feel as though there are no landmarkings anywhere. Speaking of uh, of just the unfamiliar stuff, so I I, I want to get this down before we move on. So last hour, so I Sarah revealed that she had sent out a Twitter. I guess or your Twitter. Which I don't even your... know how it works. Like, can people respond to it? See, I thought they were called tweets. Oh God, no! But see, maybe that's a thing that they that they that like young people just made up to screw with us. Like how, um, like how that girl from Sub Pop years ago made up that whole fake grunge uh, lexicon for the New York Times, who then just like unthinking dolts reprinted it. There was that thing where she the... is that like Jenkum? It's exa- it was exactly like that. There was this thing called the Great Grunge Hoax of 1992, I think it was, and it was that a woman who, pardon me, <clears throat> a woman who was like the receptionist at Sub Pop Records, and that was the label that had you know Nirvana and whoever. Um, the New York Times, desperately trying to look like they were plugged into what the what the youth culture was about, they called Sub Pop, and they said, "Hey, so um, about that grunge? That's an interesting term." Um, do you kids in Seattle have any other uh, interesting words that maybe people don't know? And the woman who worked at the front desk at Sub Pop on the fly just made up all of this crap that she claimed was like grunge speak. And then the New York Times, like idiots, just ran it without checking it the next day. And so, in fact, I'm going to see if I can find something. I will quiz you on what you think uh, these actually mean. Grunge, hoax. I bet I can find it right here. Let's see. Uh, I guess it would. I guess it would help if I didn't spell hoax 
H O A K S, huh? What do you think? <laughs> oh, H O K E S. All right, here we go. Uh, the um, the great grunge hoax uh, says this uh, web page was perpetrated on the New York Times. All right, um, all right, Sarah. I'm yes. going to give you these are fake terms, and uh, nobody uh, you know nobody really believes that these mean anything. Because again, the woman who worked at Sub Pop just made these up uh, on the fly, and the New York Times just reprinted it. All right, let's see here. Um, the great grunge hoax terms include, for example, we've got, uh, let's see, we've got this one. Sarah, what did, what did wax slacks mean? Corduroys. No, 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 they were old ripped jeans. Oh, man. Sarah, if you were in the, uh, if you were living in the grunge uh, community in 1991 and you said that you were, quote, swinging on the flippity flop. What does that mean, Sarah? Um, what do you suppose you and your friends might be doing if you were swinging flippity flop? Oh my God, I have no idea. Yeah, uh, it meant hanging out. That's what she Are told the New York Times. Me? So this, well, but it's so that's just a sort of a reflection of how even then, how easily you could fool kind of the mainstream media with stuff. There was a woman named Megan who worked at the front, and she's talking to the and she. And the great thing is that she just made it up on the spot. Because this dopey person for the Times is like, what What other wacky terms do you guys use in Seattle? Uh, or the Emerald City, as we'll call it. And she said, well, if we're hanging out, um, we don't really say hanging out. We say we're swinging on the flippity-flop. And the, the woman, the idiot woman in New York is totally just writing it all. Swinging, flippity-flop. Great. Fantastic. Swinging on the flippity-flop. Really? We need to bring that. Really? Wax slacks, you say? That's great. Wax slacks. So, um, so, we, so when they say that if you're on Twitter that you're sending a tweet... Having grown up in a post-Great Grunge Hoax uh, era, part of me always feels like I'm being screwed with when they say, no, no, you're going to send somebody a tweet. It's what all the kids are doing. And then I, you know, I realize that I'm, if I say it out loud, there's like a one in three chance that I'm just being uh, like horked somehow. So so when you sent a Twitter just now, let's walk through this step by step. Okay. If I, Rick Emerson, wanted to have a Twitter account and be you know, sending all my alleged thoughts to people, how do I do that? What is the first step? I don't know. So I just found this out myself. So sign in. I, I gave you that password. And okay. So do I go to Twitter right now? Yes. Twitter.com? Yes. Twitter.com, uh, I believe. Uh, so, all right. Twitter. Dot. I don't have a picture on any of mine either. I don't know how to put on a picture. All right. Twitter.com. All right. I have gone to Twitter.com. All right. So, uh, okay. Now I'm there. What do I do? And then put in your password and your email address that all I gave right. you yesterday. Okay. Uh, and do I enter the email address? Yeah. Email address and then the password. All right. Um. Let's see. Uh, Sassafras. That's exactly <laughs> what it is, Tim. All right. I am entering my uh, login and password at twitter.com. All right. Okay, it's logged in my And hold on. Uh, wait, hold on a second. No, it, did, no, it says that I'm not the... No, it says that I'm not the... the damn it, all yeah, the hell. Let me lock you in. All right, will you lock me in? <laughs> this is too much trouble. <laughs> I'm seriously, the technology is hard, Sarah. I don't know how to... Whatever happened to the old-fashioned telephone? All right, oh, no, you Oh, did I spell? Oh, I'm sorry. That's me. Twitter was spelled wrong. Nah, it's, uh, you know, Tim, I was, uh, that was some, what with the great grunge? I misspelled something, Tim. That's called, uh, hoobling. And, uh, all right. So, okay. Oh, I didn't know I had to put the at in there. Yeah. <laughs> I am an old person. I've turned into my grandmother. Okay. At. So now, <laughs> so I'm, I'm now logged in at twitter.com. All right. So what, what is the next step? I guess you go to the, See, so I'm going to go. I'm going to send my first Twitter right now. It's uh, this is history it's like, in the see making. See at the top it says, "What are you doing?" Uh, what am I doing? Yes. 
So All then right. you can click in that box. What am I doing? What is an accurate assessment of, uh, of my... Scrubbing a pan. I am scrubbing a pan. Mm-hmm. And eating giant Cheetos. Scrubbing a pan and eating giant Cheetos. Now, who will get this? I don't know, because see, okay, so you look up in the right corner, it says following followers and updates. Right. So do you have anybody in your followers? I have two people who are following Okay, click this. on your followers. And the see followers just them. you. Is it just me? I don't know. Let me click. Uh, no, there's two people who I don't recognize who are following me. Do you want me to How follow are you? No, wait, hold on. This is creepy. How are they following me? Because this just got created. I don't know. How? Okay, so we're talking. So this is at uh, Twitter.com where you do this. And so the... Wait, where are you? So how is it that I can be logged in? Because what is it if you're on Twitter and you're following somebody? Mm-hmm. What is the, is the deal that... There are three followers. Is it that then every time I post something on Twitter, they see it or it goes to them? Does it go to their phone? I don't know if they're following you. God damn, we're stupid. Do we, do we, who is it that we can find that can explain this? I don't know, because I'm trying to find you. Is there and, a, and some guy named Wheelfast is coming up. Uh-oh. Better be careful. I don't like the sound of that. Rick Emerson. Wheelfast sounds... Uh, he sounds unlikable, Sarah. I distrust him just uh, instinctively. He may be your only friend at the moment. Is there... I don't have any friends, Tim. I think even over. I think even saying wheel fast as a friend is probably overstating it at this point. Um, That's blabble speak. You know what? <laughs> Tim, quit being so cromulent. I demanded it. Instant. The is there a young person in the building who could help us with this? Perhaps Greg Nibbler is Greg Nibbler a young person? I, I can't really old. tell. He's sort of. How ageless. old is he? I know he's all like all married and stuff. So Greg, he's married. He's married. I, I mean, don't get me wrong. Greg. I'm pretty sure, although I see him out on Hawthorne. Greg a lot. is our uh, Greg is our uh, production assistant. He has uh, stepped into the uh, stepped into the role formerly occupied by Richie Bristol, and he's handling phones and uh, guest wrangling and so forth. But he is sort of ageless. I can't quite figure this out. Um, all right, this, clearly this is a thing that we're not going to figure out right now. I'm just going to say that I wonder if Greg Nibbler has a um, Twitter. What's What's unnerving to me about this, though? Is that I just now logged into Twitter for the first time on a on an account that you just created, and there are already people waiting for me. Which they're is, always waiting by for the you. back door. Well, it's sort of like when Otter goes to a, it's like when Otter goes to meet uh, Babs or whatever at that at the hotel in Animal House, and he walks in and uh, and like you know, and Greg Niedermeyer is waiting there to beat him up, uh, you know, next to Kevin Bacon. All right. Rick Emerson, so did you... No, you don't have... No, I haven't done anything yet because I just got freaked out by the fact Name, that I logged in. You have 20 followers already... now. I'm going to follow but you. But I didn't... How is it that people could be I following don't know. me? The there, thing there are didn't people even sitting exist. there waiting for you. Just sitting there tapping They've their virtual feet. There, one of che- us. Chewing one on, of us. Chewing on toothpicks. Leaning up against a wall. I don't know how to follow you. Nice Twitter you got here. Shame if something would have happened to it. All You're right. following John Mayer, P.S. I'm not following John Mayer. You take that back right You're now. You're following John I, 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 Mayer and Al Gore. Twitter. <laughs> Quit saying that right now. John Mayer, Al Gore, and Chris hey, Cornell. I swear to God, I'll kill you. Uh, <laughs> hello, hi. You're on the Rick Emerson Show. Sir or madam is the case, maybe. I'm I'm actually one of the guys following. Weird enough, I heard you talking about it. That's how I followed you. Okay. I, but first off, Sarah's looking at the wrong profile. She's looking at Rick Emerson. Okay. And she should be looking at Rick Emerson's show, which is you. Uh, what do you mean? Okay, first of all. How is well, because I saved both of those, though. Oh, I see. You reserved both of those names. Yeah. Okay, so I am logged well, write in. write something on Rick Emerson and let me see. What am I logged in as right now? Rick logged Emerson. Rick Emerson's show, actually, is what he's in because he's only got two followers. Rick Emerson has 20. Yeah, in your face. I have. Okay. So Rick Emerson has I don't understand followers. how that's supposed to be insulting to me. It's not. I don't, I don't no, know. No, not you, Rick. What, what am I supposed like, in your face. Oh, good God. All right. So, this, so type something and let's see where it pops up. All right. Rick Emerson is... I'm typing scrubbing a pan, 
This is how I'm using zillion-dollar technology. Do you realize the Internet was created by the Defense Department to maintain communications in the event of a nuclear war? And I'm not, mm-hmm. bra- I'm not making that up, by the way. That's not... Th- it's not like breaking news. That well, is, this is the stuff they're actually doing. I mean, this is this is really what the much-vaunted information superhighway is for. Click the button. All right. So I am sending out my very first Twitter tweet, hoobla thing. I am scrubbing a pan and eating giant Cheetos. By the way, neither of those things are true. So I'm beginning with deception. All right. Update. Well, I think a lot of people do that. All right. I am uh, clicking update. Okay. I have sent it. Okay. So I'm going to refresh. All right. So now. Okay. Scrubbing and... and- Scrubbing and pan and eating giant Cheetos. Oh damn it! Now my first Twitter is inaccurate. I didn't even type it correctly. So now who can you go can, back and correct it? But how? Who can see this now? Everyone. Anybody, anybody who's following you and anybody who types in the URL directly to your Twitter account. So I wonder right. if I can reply to you. Okay. So what are you doing? I, I At Rick Emerson. This is very. Uh, what you type of cleanser are you scrubbing know the pan how with? To spell. All right. Let's see if this goes on yours. All right. All right. So then I can in, reply. By the way, somebody has emailed in just now. I'm surprised they didn't Twitter this to us. Somebody has just replied. And they said, "Could you guys be more like Andy Rooney right now?" <laughs> All right. Can you see my response to you? Can take I take a look? Can I make one observation here before before we take a break? Can I just say that th- I was wondering aloud the other day what the new equivalent of your grandmother's VCR blinking 12 noon was? I think we have answered that question right here. Because uh, I am 12 nooning all over the place with this. Okay, so now what am I... You just sent me a reply or something? I just hit reply, but it's not on your thingy. Where am I supposed to see that reply? I don't know. What is this yeah. for? How am I supposed to Rick, do this? If Rick isn't following you, you will not see his replies. You oh, this is way too them. hard, man. I, this is way this too hard. This makes me feel like a tool. All right, thank you, sir. We need some uh, fresh-faced young people in here who know how to do this. Uh, can I just hire a younger person to pretend to be me online? Yes. That's what I'm going to do. You can be That's what all the big stars do. I am going to get all the big stars. intern who pretends to be me online so I can look like I've mastered all of this. Uh-huh. Jesus, God almighty. Kids always need money. It's the uh, Rick Emerson Show. They come and mow your lawn. It's Rock 101 KUFO still to come. Lost in 408 with uh, Chris Paddock and Sarah Dillon. We'll be giving away a pair of tickets to see Pennywise, Tim Riley's top five whitest songs, and Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com. Stay there, kids. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101. KUFO. Don't go anywhere. The Rick Emerson Show returns. He had two great delusions. One, that he was funny, and two, that he was beloved. On Rock 101, KUFO. Emerson show. I'm just so flummoxed by everything happening around me. It's 503-733-2970. This is Rock 101 KUFO, and good morning to you. It is uh, Thursday morning. It's 631. It's 503-733-2970. Still ahead this hour, Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com. Later on, Lost in 408 with Chris Paddock and Sarah X. Dillon. Tim Riley counts down his five whitest songs ever and uh, more Pennywise tickets, ladies and gentlemen. At the news desk, your personal savior, Tim Riley. <laughs> In the news with Tim Riley. Well, the economy tops the story. Joe's sports and outdoor officials are expected to reveal whether they found a buyer for their stores or will have to go out of business. We'll find that out today. Uh, several creditors say they expect the 31-store chain would start liquidating their assets. Joe's has been in business since 1952. It used to be G.I. Joe's. So I was wondering about the, first of all, the G.I. Joe's. It must have cost them a lot of money to take down the G.I.'s off of every store and change all their stationery. So let's. So G.I. Joe's became Joe's, Joe's. 
when, like seven years ago, something no, like that? No, no, no. Within the last year. I thought it was like, four, I thought it was, I mean, it's that weird thing where like time is speeding and slowing down as I get older. It's like how everybody looks like they're 15 years old. So it was just within the last year. I think so, yeah. Maybe it's because I just have heard people refer to it as Joe's forever. You know, a lot of that was just sort of colloquial way of referring to it. I always wondered about, this is a weird thing, but I always wondered about Hasbro and the G.I. Joe toy and trademark issues with that. But I guess G.I. Joe is just such a, it's such a common term, and it's a term that entered the lexicon, I guess, back in World War II, maybe? Yeah. Uh, maybe even before that. might have been World War I, but I think, I think World War II is when that happened. And so I guess it's never really big. But, but that's a big deal. I mean, it really is. And there was that thing on the front of the uh, Oregonian today where they actually... Uh, you know, they, they have this, this sort of this timeline of it, and it's so great they actually show them taking the G mm-hmm. out, down from the sign when it became Joe's oh. from G.I. Joe's, which is sort of, you know, it's, it's iconic. It's like one of the, it's like the Waddles sign or something. Mm-hmm. And that Waddles sign, which of course is no longer there, that's one of those things that it is, that's a before and after. That's a dividing line. Uh, you know, not to be that guy who's like, I've lived in Portland longer than you, whatever, but I mean, that's what, it, you know, it's like, do you remember the Waddles sign being up? Do you remember it being G.I. Joe's? And so they are, so this is a reorganization. This is a bankruptcy. This is a. Like it could be they're looking for a buyer, hoping to find one at the last minute. If not, they could end up being liquidated. All right, there you go. Country coach will lay off 460 employees at a place on furlough. They've been on furlough since December. Now they will be terminated as of the 14th. What is a furlough? Does it say what that is? Is that like? Is that are you getting paid or is it? Just no, it, it's. Like a unpaid layoff? time off. And a lot of companies are doing that now, forcing their employees to take unpaid time off, but not taking away those jobs, telling yeah. them eventually they will be back. So this is... But they can really do whatever they want to with you. We we had... Uh, th- there was uh, somebody who... And I, and I won't say who it is, because I can't remember if this was a conversation that happened on the air or off. It might have been something that we were talking about during a during a break or something, and I don't, so I don't want to you know, th- say who it is. But we were having a discussion with somebody who um, was was not employed. And we used the word fired, and the person got uh, sort of oh, defensive about it. Yeah, they, they got kind of defensive, and they said, they said, no, 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 I'm fired. It's laid off. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't know if that was a sort of like, you know, no, 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 it's Frankenstein uh, sort of a thing. But they said that it was the, very awkward. They, it was very awkward because they were in, they were in, immediately kind of got their back up like, about it. I'm not crazy. You're crazy. Like one of those kind of responses. But and the distinction they made was that being fired was for cause. Mm-hmm. Being laid off was usually a financial decision or a headcount decision. Do you know is that true or is that is is that a false uh, is that a false line of demarcation between no, the two I, terms? I, I think that is accurate. And so then furloughed is that because maybe fired You're taking is, an unpaid vacation with the intent. Of returning, so we're like fired is, is terminated for cause, laid off is terminated maybe for like financial reasons right. or whatever. Like, Intercom fired the last time here, laid off. But well, then, so speaking of my own personal, but then if maybe you were just, but maybe if you were just not scheduled, you know, or there was Correct. just no work to be had, right. that's furloughed maybe. Mm-hmm. All right, so this is because but, they they stopped building these luxury trailers because credit was not available for people to buy them. So the theory is that the job is still there and they are hoping to be called back. Correct. All right. Okay. Does that make sense? I wonder. But see that what must suck about that is though if you're furloughed, you can't get unemployment. Correct. So that's uh, see that's the the reason I was so curious about that because if you are fired or laid off, you can get unemployment. If you are furloughed. You're just sitting on your hands, uh, kind of wondering how it is you're gonna you're gonna buy anything, right? And, and like this is the first time in the, this economy that this has happened. I don't even remember this happening back in '83 when things were bad. You mean the, 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 these furloughs? Well, and is that because the companies don't? Is that because because the, the, some of that unemployment comes from the companies? Correct. correct. And so it's that companies. So if they're already bankrupt, 
how can they possibly pay into it? And so if you are furloughing people but not firing them, then the company doesn't have to pay out unemployment, right. I, I would I would imagine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's weird as you will hear every now and again, uh, just, I mean, here in Portland, because I think that we have yesterday that we're the, I hate to be like Johnny Buzzkill about it, but the, the, the we're dead effing last in terms of financial happiness, like yeah, even, it, even behind it, Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. And you will hear from people in Portland who work for companies that have never had layoffs before. Uh, and there's a couple specifics that have been in the news recently, companies that have never, ever, ever had to lay anybody off. And so it wasn't even the number of people that got laid off that was just such a weird blow to the morale. It's that there were layoffs, period. Uh, and they were just like, you hear from people like, oh, man, everybody's freaked out around here. They had to fire somebody the other day. And it's, you know, you realize how many companies have been immune from that that are no longer. Here's uh, Tim Riley. So let's talk about the pirates and cheer everybody up. Even though this is a very serious story, nobody's taking it seriously because pirates are funny. Uh, Somali pirates have uh, hijacked an American ship off the coast of Africa, but they were repelled. But they took away the captain of the ship in a rowboat where the gas ran out, so they were just stuck floating there until the American ships came in. So uh, one of the crew members called a relative and told him what was going on. There was four Somali pirates with AK-47s. We took one of them hostage in, in the steering gear room with us, and then the other three, the captain talked them into getting in the lifeboat. But now they got our captain lifeboat. If you do expression, it does have an a, American captain uh, to hold for ransom. Uh-huh. And we're trying to we're trying to run them down and get them back right now. That's what we're do- That's the whole story. That's I, a- I got to go. I get. I'm piloting the ship. That was the by uh that was the new captain. No no no. That was, that was like Gilligan. That was the uh, skipper has been taken. And that was actually uh, that was actually my computer just playing a piece of audio inadvertently that it was not supposed to. We're having a flawless day I would say in terms of soundbite execution. Well, things are going uh well as good. What as we good. need hmm. what we need are more R sounds that are sort of just sprinkled over the show like so many uh pirate croutons today. Um so that guy is he was obviously he said he was piloting the ship not pirating but piloting the ship right now. And they've got that. They had the guy in the rowboat, and it seems like this is a bad time to be doing this because you've got to figure if you're Barack Obama, you're coming. You know, you're a Democrat, which means you're not necessarily viewed as being strong on defense. You, you half the country didn't want you in office. Half the you know of that half the country that didn't vote for you, probably half those people just hate you for no reason. And you got to prove yourself. And plus, you got a failing economy. You know, you got all of this stuff. This is the wrong time, I would say, to be testing a young president. Because you screw with him, he's going to blow you into tiny little pirate bits. I mean, that right? Wouldn't you imagine that's the case? Mm-hmm. That's what Bill Clinton did. I mean, this is, no, I have no illusions about that. You know, hey, Bill Clinton, what about Monica Lewinsky? I'll bomb you. <laughs> you know, and it's, just, it's like um, it's like when he was in um, when Bill Clinton was launching uh, uh, missiles into um, God. Where the hell was that? Where was Bill? Was it? Uh, it what? I want to say it's Somalia, but it wasn't Somalia, was it? It was Somalia. Was it Somalia that Clinton before. actually uh, was uh, was uh, bombing? So it seems like if you're look, so, so there's there Somalia. Then we were in uh, what used to be Yugoslavia. So Somalia, uh, maybe uh, testing a democratic president like in his first few years in office is not like the most clever thing to do. Because Somalia keeps going; it's just a big pile of dust, really. I think we'll bomb it into smaller dust particles, probably, if they keep doing this. Just because that's, I think, administrations feel like they have to sort of lay down the law, especially if it's out there in the middle of the ocean, where Dickiliano was saying the law is sort of murky at best. Because wouldn't you imagine that the that the logical, I mean, this is obviously a, a bad story and it's, it's a big deal and it's a crisis, but don't you imagine that what they're already seeing in their head in like the situation room or whatever is the inevitable escalation where the pirates are going after like, you know, like a cruise ship or something? Yes. I mean, which sounds like a gag. Like and the cruise of, ships are going to defending themselves with, with that uh, tone that bursts eardrums. Yeah. 
Well, but, but if somebody turns it around the wrong way, wouldn't that damage a passenger's hearing? And it's like... The pirates could do that. Where you just sort of see them just, you know, you see the battered, bleeding body of Captain Steubing being tossed overboard or something. So I, they got to, I would imagine, set a precedent now before they just start uh, screwing with uh, with American tourists somewhere. Because that's when, that's when everything just hits the fan. So uh, let's do uh, one more here and we'll get caught up around the corner with Mr. Skin. More from Tim Riley. The Laguna Niguel City Castle is cracking down on a 30-year moon Amtrak tradition. These are two new ordinances. They want to bring some order to the annual event where thousands of revelers bear their bottoms to passing trains. Mayor Ming says they restricted public alcohol consumption after some problems came up with the huge crowd last time. Last year, it just got completely out of control. We had 10,000 people on a dead-end street with really one way in and one way out, and just a crazy amount of public nudity and public urination. Where was this? Laguna Niguel. And his name is Ming? Yes, Mayor Ming. Really? Do you suppose he gets a lot of... Mayor Ming. Well, see, I wasn't even going to go that way. No, 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 it just rhymed. I just like the flow of it. That's a a lot of the... uh, Do you, Ming the Merciless, ruler of... What is he? Ruler of the universe or whatever they called it? Do you take this earthling Dale Arden to be your empress? What? Yes, whatever. You know, Tim, it's the respect that I'm accorded as a broadcaster that really makes coming to work a joy every day. <laughs> no. Really, I come here for the uh, I come here for the warm embrace of my colleagues. All right. It's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy ahead. Mister Skin for MisterSkin.com. Rick Emerson is being respected and admired by all of his coworkers. Send that out right now. Plus, Pennywise tickets coming up later on. Lost in 408. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Pearl Jam Black. That is from the MTV Unplugged performance in 1992, which we were just talking about this, uh, during the break. That I, that is, and I want to. I may be wrong about this, but I don't think. Maybe you can get it now, but I think for the longest time that was unavailable. I think it might have been one of those things that they put out on VHS. Um, and then it never came out on DVD and never came out on CD. And in fact, I have it on VHS, but now that I think about it, that might actually just be like a radio station copy that they sent us. Um, but it was really instantly legendary because that MTV Unplugged was a real kind of a hit or miss, uh, show. I mean, you would get like, uh, Pearl Jam was fantastic. I remember the Aerosmith Unplugged was really good, but then you get like, God, the 10,000 Maniacs one, which is just crap, and the Poison one, which is crap. And I mean, it's just it, it, totally. about 80% of MTV Unplugged stuff was just awful. Uh, but that was not only fantastic, but it was just universally recognized as being fantastic instantly. And I think that was added to over the years by the fact that you could never get it anywhere. Um, but now you can? I think so. I think um, I think that they've actually, I mean, I could be wrong about this, but I think it was relatively recently that you were, that you were able to commercially uh, get that. So... And it was, uh, anyway, so that's black from MTV Unplugged. And it was right at that one moment where, where Pearl Jam was kind of in the middle of the, of the whole maelstrom. Uh, I hate to grunge error or whatever, but I mean, the, 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 where that sense, as Hunter Thompson once said, that you could jump on the ground and the ground would bounce back at you. There was just this, this vibe in the air that everything was sort of being changed and that all, you know, music was sort of being rewritten every single day. And that was when they were right in the center of that whole storm. And it was when you would occasionally see Eddie Vedder walking around Spokane um, wearing like a clown mask occasionally <laughs> just because he didn't want to be noticed because that's how you uh, that's how you dress for invisibility. In Spokane. In Spokane. Let's uh, welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from MrSkin.com. Mr. Skin himself, uh, how are you, sir? Hey, Rick. How you doing? I am fantabulous. What is happening in the world of celebrity nudity, my Well, uh, Seth Rogen.
Rogan plays a bipolar mall security guard in an Observe and Report, an R-rated movie, which hits theaters this weekend. And uh, uh, Anna Faris co-stars in it. Now, she is not naked in the movie, but at the one-hour mark, Seth Rogen and Michael Pena spy over the top of a woman's uh, dressing room, and we see a, a topless girl. So there is nudity, though it's not from the main female lead, Anna Faris. But uh, that movie opens in theaters this weekend. You know, last weekend, that Fast and Furious had an incredible uh, run. They did $72.5 million. It's the Vin Diesel action uh, movie. And uh, there was no nudity. It's a PG-13 film. But the, the main female lead is Jordana Brewster. And uh, let's just say that uh, if you don't know who she is, she's hot enough to have dated Derek Jeter. So that should give you a little bit uh, Excellent. level of her hotness. And uh, she's not naked in the movie, though she did do... A movie, if you go to MrSkin.com and search her, uh, you can see that in 2001 she did a movie called The Invisible Circus, where at the hour and four minute mark uh, she shows her big tops. It's pretty nice. So, uh, main star of uh, Fast and Furious, Jordana Brewster, the, the female lead, uh, good nudity in uh, Invisible Circus. But finally, the big, big news confirmation, uh, breaking news at MrSkin.com, Jessica Beale will be naked in the upcoming movie Powder Blue, which will be in theaters April 24th. She plays a stripper, topless at the hour and eight-minute mark, and then one hour and 24 minutes in, a, a butt shot. But uh, Jessica Biel, who has never been naked, new debut in Powder Blue, which will be in theaters uh, April 24th. Fantastic. I was actually just reading uh, an article yesterday somewhere. Uh, article, as though I'm reading it, Scientific American. <laughs> I was reading some, uh, some horny guy put together a list online. It was some, some uh, blog, but it was, it, it, 20, it was you know, 20 girls that I demand get naked right now or something. <laughs> and, uh, but Jessica Biel was on the list. and well, he you was, could scratch it off. There he, so, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, right. So uh, to speak, exactly. Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com. I'm doing the Lord's work, my friend. Thank All you. All right, Rick. Take care. All right. Talk to you next week. There you go, Mr. Skin. All right. Fantastic. You know, the thing with Mr. Skin, it's like how when you listen to uh, like a, like a Snoop Dogg song, it's trying to figure out exactly how many different ways he can find to spell his own name in the chorus. With that guy, it's just the endless boob puns. That's really – and every week I think he's run out and he's exhausted all the possibilities, but no. Boobs are his niche. They are, Tim. Uh, Tim Riley's uh, following the uh, the uh, below story. I was going to say following the following headlines, and that doesn't really work. Uh, Tim Riley's uh, tracking the following stories on this Thursday morning. So now we have this huge warship right next to a little rowboat out of gas with the headline, They Can't Win. Well, how would that not be possible? So uh, that's the pirate story. We'll get back to that in a bit. But the big story today, Brittany storms off stage, brings the show to a stop for... 30 minutes in Vancouver, not our beloved Vancouver across the river, but the one in Canada, due to pot smoke in the auditorium, stops the show until the smoke clears, then tells the crowd not to smoke weed and to drive carefully. Then we have some Billy Bob Thornton sound. He was in Canada, too, acting up, doing a Joaquin Phoenix on the air. Today's bankruptcy could spell the end of Oregon institution known as Joe's, or G.I. Joe's. An honest Los Angeles woman bonds a cashier's check for $350,000 and returns it by popular demand, Kim Jong-il is re-elected for office president in North Korea. Rihanna creates her own perfume. Lindsay Lohan is the saddest girl in the world. So uh, when we uh, when we come back here, we've got uh, Billy Bob Thornton sound. I've actually got some sound from that interview. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you right and now. And I, I have resisted watch, like listening to it. I have not heard it yet. The full interview, it's with this uh, this DJ in Toronto. And it's like 13 minutes long. And it goes bad instantly. And then there's long pockets of just awkwardness because it's Billy Bob Thornton with his band because he you know he tours with the band which is fine and I'm not I, I'm not 
I'm not one of those the guys that's going to make fun of him for having a band. I don't care. I mean, you know, do do many things, many irons in the fire. So it's not like it's silly that he has a band. I, a lot of times celebrities will get flack for that. Um, I, but the deal is, if you go on and you're Billy Bob Thornton, you got to know that they're going to ask you about being Billy Bob Thornton and and being married to Angelina Jolie. Yeah, like and, and just like hey, you know, you do music, but you also act. And the guy is totally respectful, and clearly Thornton's just having none of it. So uh, we got some of that audio. Uh, we have the uh, the a uh, little bit of the new No Doubt song that came out. That is uh, Drek, by the way. That's awful. Chris Paddock will be here for Lost in 408, Pennywise Tickets, and uh, Kelly Clark from the Willamette Week Plus. Tim Riley's five whitest songs ever. That is all in the way. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Stay right there. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO, and good morning to you. Still to come this hour, we have Chris Paddock and Sarah Dillon with Lost in 408. Later on, a pair of tickets to see Pennywise as part of the Jägermeister Music Tour. Kelly Clark from Willamette Week will be joining us, and Tim Riley will count down his five whitest songs ever recorded. At the news desk, it is your personal savior, Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. Today, today we'll find out what happens to Joe Sports and Outdoors. Now, this is a store that used to be called G.I. Joe's. They may find a buyer, but they may end up being liquidated. It is a 31-store chain, exclusive to Northwest. It sold out to some other people who didn't hear about it. Uh, Joe's has been in business since 1952. An awful lot of uh, people do work for this company. Yeah, we have uh, some listeners, actually, we've heard from who, uh, who work there. So we hope everything works out to... As well as can be expected. There we have Country Coach. They had 460 on furlough since December. Uh, this is located a little bit south of here in Junction City. They make uh, those luxury RVs. 460 have been on furlough since December. Now they say that they will not be coming back. Okay, so let's uh, have something to cheer us up after all this bad news. Levi Johnston never disappoints. <laughs> here he is. This is fresh audio. He says something every day somewhere now. Um so here he is saying that his family is not white trash. Probably that my family's white trash. This is when they're asking him. This is the what is the biggest misconception, right? Or what is the biggest the you know, biggest what? misconception? Probably that my family's white trash. Is his mom in jail for like meth or something? Yes, she is, Sarah. <laughs> um, the uh, but I'm sure it's all a big misunderstanding. I'm sure she probably she just had a head cold that wouldn't go away. Also, did you? I don't. This isn't. I don't think we have audio of this. Because we were asking the question, like, why is, why always with the Levi? Like, why is he making the rounds? Why is he everywhere? And he denies the fact that he's trying to sort of make hay out of this. He doesn't say, he's, in fact, he, he specifically said at one point, either he thought of this or somebody pulled him aside and said, you look like a big media whore. Because he actually proactively said, I'm not trying to cash in. But then somebody asked him, they said, well, what is, like, what is your end game here? Like, why are you giving all the, like, Sarah Palin lost and you're not with Bristol Palin anymore and the kid's already been born. Like, what is your deal? He said, well, I'm hoping to get, I wish I had audio of this, but I don't. He said, I'm hoping to get like a modeling or acting gig out of it, which is fantastic. That is amazing. A, because he just looks like a big lunkhead. I mean, he's got a huge square head and greasy hair, and he seems like he probably drools a lot. And then B, and this, I thought of you, Tim, actually, when he said that he was hoping to get an acting gig out of this. I was just He Im- probably will. Just imagining, just imagining actual seasoned actors everywhere just clenching the tiny fists of rage at that statement. So it's not like he's the, he's not really like the, uh, like the brightest bulb in the bank or anything. He says his family was excited about the pregnancy, but Sarah Palin was not. I was extremely happy. Um, I got up and we hugged, and I was really scared, too. And then we went upstairs. I was stoked, told my mom. She was crying. Yeah, she was. She was happy. 
she's always talked about that day. What was Sarah Palin's reaction? I don't know that she wasn't excited as my parents were. They weren't mad. I don't. They didn't give me that impression. But I mean, they weren't. Definitely weren't excited at the same time. Incidentally, if you ever refer to your uh, wife's pregnancy as being a thing that has you quote stoked, you shouldn't be a parent. <laughs> I just heard that. That's uh, you. See, I was going to comment, but then I say stoked all the time, so then I felt like I. Couldn't. Yeah, but you know what? You don't have kids, so. Amen. Yeah. So that's. Is that, that is a, that should disqualify you immediately from being a uh, a father. Well, let's bring uh, Levi Johnson's sister Mercedes here. Not Mercedes, but just one Mercedes. Okay, is that uh, that's not a misprint? Because I saw that in the paper yesterday. It was like his sister Mercedes or whatever had this Maybe to she's say. She's half of a twin. I See, don't know. I thought that that was a mistake. That the newspaper, whatever, was like it was a, the USA Today or M-E-R-C-E-D-E. something. M e r c e d e Mercedes. Is it Mercedes? I don't know. Maybe it's French. Sarah, how would you pronounce that? Mercedes with an S on the end. Mercedes. Knowing that they're a classy family. All right. Well, no, that is that is nothing but sophistication. Yeah. Then. All right. Okay. So uh, the sister says the Palins are snobby because they're lying to try to save themselves. Anytime soon here. Lying to try to save themselves. Did you ever get that impression that they were? Oops. Did you ever get that impression <laughs> that they were Fantastic. snobby in that way? Snobby? Yeah. How so? I mean, look what they're doing. They're lying, trying to save their their selves, and they're the one that asked their for it. selves. They brought him to the campaign. They should have known what was coming. They can't, you know, turn around, and try to take it back now. Uh, okay. What, what was the pull? cheering at the end? I don't know, but let's yeah, always probably showing some some uh, video from the rally. I would imagine an American oh, okay. flag to him, and perhaps Lee Greenwood doing something. Mm-hmm. But let's always remember uh, about the uh, of the Johnston family. Probably that my family's white trash. So just keep that in mind. It's uh, 503-733-2970. Do you have uh, the context for this Billy Bob Thornton story? Because if not, I have the sound over here. Let me look here. Um, if I, can, I mean, I can sort of give you the... No, I don't have that. I think you have it all. I can kind of give... I can kind of give you the setup. Mm-hmm. The setup for this is, so Billy Bob Thornton has this band. I think they're the, the, the boxcars or something, but it's, it's some whatever, some band. Uh, and to his credit, actually, in Billy Bob Thornton's defense, it's not like he's some guy uh, just, you know, put out his first record and is demanding everybody pay attention to him. I think he's recorded like seven albums or something. And, you know, you haven't probably heard of many of them either. You know, you haven't maybe you haven't gone to see him, but. So it's a, it does appear to be a thing he's legitimately interested in. It's not like he's, um, who's it? What's his name? Uh, is it Jared Leto? Leto? Jared Leto, the guy from... What about uh, him? Didn't he have a band? 30, yeah, 30, 30 Seconds, seconds to, Mars. to Mars. So Jared Leto, I've met him before. He was a real a-hole. Did he seem like a douche? Oh, no. He's like a little mini guy. He was like five feet tall, and it was at Endfest in a Bremerton. And for some reason, he was at Endfest, and, Ca- and he was there with Cameron Diaz. That was when he was dating her. Uh-huh. And Cameron Diaz is backstage, and uh, Jared Leto, in order to disguise himself, dressed like a punk rocker. So he had this giant mohawk, That's and he was wearing like a pleather outfit. It was the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. Was it a plethora of bad uh, fashion choices, Sarah? Oh, boy. Was it? I don't understand why he dressed like that. If he was like going around saying like, "Nobody look at me. Don't. I don't want to draw attention to myself." Yeah, that's, that's the Joaquin Phoenix method mm-hmm. of avoiding detection. Well, and, and again, Jared Leto, fantastic actor. And I'm not just saying that because of my so-called life. I mean, he's just and he's done any number of things. Requiem, for, Requiem for a Dream and uh. Fight Club. I mean, he's a guy he can really act. Um, but and I have no problem with an art, you know, with an actor doing a band or you know a guy. Or and I have no problem with musicians acting, whatever. But it's like you got to know that if you become famous in one sphere of the media and you're doing something else, you're going to get asked about sphere number. It's you know, it's like when Jordan was playing uh, baseball and like, hey, Michael Jordan, you're playing baseball. You know, you typically ba- you know, play basketball. It's, you just, I mean, that that's how it works. 
Billy Bob Thornton, of course, uh, didn't get the memo about that or just wanted to disregard it. So here he is being interviewed on uh, this uh, Toronto radio station. This is going to make everyone uncomfortable. Well, I, it's just that it's, I, yeah, it's, it's uncomfortable. I mean, it's not like he has a full on meltdown, but you got to like put yourself in the position of this DJ. And so the DJ is, uh, I think, trying to, he's trying to be very reasonable about it. And he says, and he introduces him as saying, of course, he's, uh, I think he's an Academy Award winning. Well, he wrote a, he got the Academy Award for screenwriting for, for Sling Blade. So he says he's Academy Award winning, uh, a screenwriter, an Academy Award nominated actor, I believe. And he is, uh, performing tonight, blah, 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 with his band, The Boxcars, Billy Bob Thornton. And I think right out of the gate, Thornton's whole thing is that he doesn't want to be referred to as an actor. And I think he actually didn't even want to have it mentioned. So you've, and the other thing is, that the rest of the band is sitting there. So it's the DJ and, like, the news guy and Billy Bob Thornton and the other guys in the band who know that Billy Bob Thornton is clearly some sort of unstable drama queen, but on the other hand, know that they can't piss him off too much because he's the only reason anybody pays attention to the band, for good or bad. He's mm. he's the thing that gets them attention. So they're sitting there trying to be diplomatic and just awkwardly shifting from, like, one butt cheek to another back and forth as uh, Billy Bob Thornton is being very uncooperative. Okay, let's do it. So I think this is the DJ that brings him on and references him as Billy Bob Thornton, Academy Award-winning screenwriter and actor. And then it all kind of goes south. Let's see if we can... Uh... Given that you seem to be quite passionate about music, I was wondering about your... Would you say that to Tom Petty? Would I say that he's passionate about music? Yeah. Yeah. Really? Would you explain why it's not a hobby? Would I explain why it's not a hobby? Are you reacting to the fact that I said... Yeah, I am. I am, since you're instructed not to talk about like that. Yeah, I am reacting to that. Yeah. What a jerk. <clears throat> wow. I wasn't instructed to... Uh, I'm, in, I'm, instruct, I'm not really instructed. You guys are here as a band. You're performing. Uh, but I, Well, I, the producer was instructed. Right. So, but, but Somewhere along the way. Because I mentioned that you were an actor and a uh, well, First of all, that wasn't, wasn't supposed to be mentioned either. You know, but uh, but that's just giving context, right? I mean, I'm happy to interview you guys as a band, but I but you know, for the listeners, we're giving context for who you are. That's part of your trajectory, isn't it? Not really. It's not. No. And then he. And, oh uh, my God! And, what a, we are never having him on PS. And Thornton is like three feet away and just kind of giving the guy the dead-eyed, like the fish-eyed stare, like that, like a trout on a riverbank, and. It's, you know, and I'm watching this this morning, and you, you can see this really uncomfortable vibe in the studio. Everybody's kind of doing that. Like, and the rest of the band is kind of looking straight down at their Well, feet. the host sounds pretty like, gracious, like he's handling it well. He, uh, I got to tell you, the guy, I don't even know his name, but he, he remains very calm and collected. He's going to get some, he's going to get a much bigger gig in Canada out of this. Mm -hmm. And I, and the thing is, and it sucks because I love Billy Bob Thornton. I really do. He's just, he's a. Really? I do. He's, a, he's made some of the best movies. He has made some of my favorite films, and he's done some of the best acting. He's like, uh, for example, I'm a huge, huge, huge fan of the movie Friday Night Lights and he he's just exemplary in that movie and you know he, but then he goes from you know he, he does that and then he's uh, you know he's done Sling Blade obviously and Monsters Ball and he's done all of these different um you know sorts of roles and he embodies them but you get the sense that along with that goes it's a big stripe of crazy so this is uh, I think a follow-up on that where he doesn't ever want to reference the fact that he's an actor in any way. This is Billy Bob Thornton. You would prefer me to only do this interview not mentioning at all, just yeah, to clarify, that's correct, yes. at all that you've that's ever correct. done anything in terms of acting, screenwriting. That's correct. Okay, but do you know that people are listening across the country and across North America, yeah. and, and they might think that's odd that I would not mention anything to do with your past? Well, I think it's odd that you have to smoke inside a white stripe outside. <laughs> 
that's also odd. <laughs> but that, you know, the, yeah, but that's a little different. That's a rule and regulation. I'm just trying to do a, a show and give people context for, yeah. for who you guys are. Well, there's plenty of context without all that. And so then this is the final cut. I mean, there's like 50 of them, but they were all so awkward. And this uh, is Billy Bob Thornton being asked by the same guy. So he's in town with his band, uh, not here, but he's in Toronto with his band, the, the Box something or others. And all the guys in the band, you can see them occasionally sort of looking at each other like, oh, Jesus, I didn't think that we were going to go through this today. And the guy is talking to uh, Billy Bob Thornton about music being his first love, which you would think is a question that, that Thornton would want, right? Because he's, so, he's on this whole don't talk to me about movies, don't mention that I'm an acting, uh, that I'm an actor kick. And so the jock throws him this question about music being his first love, and of course that goes over badly as well. The producers told me that you didn't want to, they didn't want to focus on questions around your uh, acting career, et cetera. Right. And I'm cool with that because uh, I'm happy to, to to talk to you as as musicians. It, it does also occur to me though that you're you're a pretty new band, uh, and part one of the reasons why you got you get attention <clears throat> is because of the career you. We're have. not really new. You're not. Well, I've, says, made, I've made eight albums. I know you've made a lot of them. The, how how uh, long have the Bucksmasters been together for? I don't know. A couple of years, maybe? So uh, <laughs> even the greatest bands in the world don't... I mean, you, part of the attention that you're getting is because of the great career you've had in, in other him. ways. I'm, I'm, what I'm explaining is I'm not trying to be insulting to your musical... Well, what I'm explaining is, is we said to not talk about like that. And we also said that we didn't want to hear anything about how this is my first love. You wouldn't say that to Tom Petty, would you? I understand music is your first love. Well, my first love was a chick named Lisa Cohen. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Again with the Tom Petty Whoa. self-reference. So there you go. So uh, just uh, think on the next time you're uh, the next time you're trying to enjoy. Uh, it's just all kinds uh, of awkward. Billy Thornton acting in something. All right, it's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. Still ahead, we have Lost in four zero eight with Chris Paddock and Sarah Dillon. And by the way, this is, let me say this thing about the about the. the oh, Twitter and then we have to account. figure out this Twitter thing because more people are joining, and I keep trying to send you a message, and I don't know how to do it. Well, because we, uh, I'll just say this: it's now what? It's like seven uh, nineteen or something. Mm -hmm. At five o'clock this morning, I didn't have a Twitter account. At five thirty, I had a Twitter account because Sarah uh, graciously created one for me after revealing that she created one. When did you create your Twitter account? When did you start using it? Today was the first day. So you and you reserved your name just because we kind of do that to make sure that doesn't yeah, get actually, and my friend, on by somebody. My friend else. Kyle's awesome, and he reserved Sarah Dillon for me, and he had sent it to me, and then uh, I then I got uh, Sarah X Dillon because you know somebody else to grab it, and you know yeah. whatever. Um, so, but you had never sent anything until this morning, and I had actually not even I didn't even have an account until today. And so we logged in with my brand new Twitter account, and first of all, there's already people waiting for me, which I found distinctly unnerving. And then Are we real twits. I I think they might in fact be, and then. But then Sarah and I realized that neither of us really know how to use this. And I don't know how to write you or write anybody. And so if I have, so if I've sent this, here's my question. This is what I don't understand. I sent my very first Twitter message or whatever today, and I, I it says. Scrubbing and pan and eating giant Cheetos. And I didn't even write it correctly. Is that even how you spell Cheetos? Yeah, well, there's a, I think there's a hyphen in there. Scrubbing and pan and eating giant Cheetos is what I wrote because Tim suggested that I write scrubbing pans. And of course, my caffeine deprived brain couldn't even do that. So can people comment on this? Well, see, but my thing is, who's even receiving that? And if somebody has to, what is it? I they think if they're following you, then it goes to the. Aha. Okay. But here's my question. I don't know, though. I can't, and I can't figure out how to follow UPS. All it says is, I, my only option is to block you. But here's my question. If somebody has to be following you on Twitter to see your updates or your tweets or whatever, if they're not already following you, how do they know you have a Twitter account 
And then how do they decide to follow you if they don't know who you are because they're not following you? I don't... You're making my head hurt. I but do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, how would they even know to follow because me? Because I tried to write you a message back saying how silly, how stupid you were and how you couldn't spell. That's stupid. <laughs> but, but that only happens when you try to make the greatest impression possible. I suppose. No, it's for and then Rick, you can't take it back. Because it says, at Rick Emerson, you don't know how to spell. About an hour ago from Webb in reply to And Rick I'm not Emerson. seeing that anywhere. Yeah, and so I click on yours. Here's... While you're looking at that, here's another question I have. So I'm looking at my Twitter homepage <laughs> right here. And I can't follow. Wait. Oh, wait. There's follow. At the top of my Twitter homepage, it says this. Under my name, there's your, if you go to Twitter.com or whatever, at the top right, there's your username and like a little uh, avatar, a little icon for you. And it says this. There's three different things. It says updates. And that's one. And then it says 20 following, 12 followers. What's the difference? So you're following. I think the 20 that you're following are like what I was telling you before. How can I be following people? I just I think signed I might up have for this like an hour ago. <laughs> I think I might have accidentally clicked on something wrong. Did you accidentally send everybody like in the fish fan club something that, I'm, that I, I wish to receive all of their updates? No. So am I, so I'm instantly, is this like a thing where like when you, uh, who am I following? Is this like when you sign up for like some sort of an online newsletter it's and like suddenly you're I, spammed by Travelocity? Like when I joined Facebook and I accidentally invited everybody that I'd ever emailed that. ever. Mm-hmm. So am like ex boyfriends yeah. and like job. Wait a minute. Like, so, so am I now? Do people? Am I accidentally now going to be sending stuff to people that I don't want to send stuff to? I don't think so. I think it just shows that you're following them, which means you like if they're just like I'm eating string cheese, then you, then Is you'll see it. Wrong that I'm afraid of this. Uh, that I'm looking at the Twitter thing, and here, <laughs> let me just tell you this. And maybe this is, maybe this is just more indication that I become an old person. That my whole inclination here with Twitter is to log out and close it and never go back yes, because it's I freaking it. me out. I do it. You know what? You have to just move forward. Forward momentum. You're in the media. You've got to just do it. Hey, so you're following Ryan Seacrest? But see, why am I doing that? I don't why? know. Did you and sign, Danny Masterson? Did you sign me up to follow Ryan Seacrest? No, I don't know how this happened. I don't oh think my gosh. Ryan Seacrest does his own. You're following uh, Brent Spiner, too. Uh, data from Star Trek The Next Generation? See, that's okay, but why would I be following both Brent Spiner and Ryan Seacrest? And John Mayer. Does that mean if I, okay, now, but if I send a Twitter message, is Brent Spiner going to see it? No, because you're following him. He's not following you. I don't, I don't understand. understand oh, no, we need to break, on. and this is making my head hurt. Ouch, ouch, I can't think But I do harder. have, you know what? Coming up later on, we'll learn how to make fire. And I do have a um, one of those audio bites. There's one, I haven't heard it, but it's called... An it's, audio, what do you mean an audio bite? Uh, it's timely. It's oh, God, that. is this from Is this from the, the Lots of Laughs prep service? The Lots service? of Laughs prep service. And this one's a, a best bit, and it's called... Twitter me, and it's a oh god. Now my I'm looking, just let me just say this really quickly. Okay, I'm looking at my email inbox now. My email inbox is filling up with Twitter messages. Oh god, this is like this is like. Uh, How do you keep track of all this? Stuff? I don't. This is like kudzu or something, or like that uh, that weed that that oh, that covers Stephen King's body in Creepshow. All right. Uh, so this is this a song you're gonna play? Is this a uh, wacky morning show song from the so. the Lots of Laughs service? I'm thinking so. So let's maybe this will teach us all a little bit about Twitter. So is this the same morning show service that does the Mexican word of the day? Yes. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's hear a bit of this. Will I find more friends or always oh God. Oh, oh kill me. I must tell them not to Twitter me. Are you kidding me? <sighs> Oh, wow. I never respond to what are you doing? Because nothing ever comes to me. This is worse than cancer. I have no words of wisdom. Don't Twitter me. Twitter me. Twitter me. God, radio sucks. Nothing (laughs) back on your screen. It's not even fit to see. This isn't even well done. If you Twitter me. And we're 
Finished. And that's it. <laughs> it's the Rick Emerson Show. Just ahead, we have... leave you dumbfounded. And dumb, Tim. Lost in 408 with Chris Paddock and Sarah Dillon. Later on, more news from Tim Riley, Pennywise tickets, and Kelly Clark from Willamette Week. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. 503-733-2970. Uh, before the top of the hour, this hour, give away a pair of tickets to see Pennywise at the Roseland April 14th as part of the Jägermeister Music Tour. All winners of Pennywise tickets on this, the Rick Emerson Radio Show, will go into a grand prize drawing for a Jägermeister tap machine, a custom Jägermeister guitar, a PV amplifier, a JVC HD radio, and the esteem and respect of all your friends and peers. It's 503-733-2970. That is coming up later on. Also, Kelly Clark from the Willamette Week and Tim Riley will count down his five whitest songs ever recorded, which, and I'm just saying right now, not to be that guy. Uh, but uh, this, I am dissimilar from Price Waterhouse Coopers in the sense that I I'm looking at this right now. I know it. I knew it since last night. I've, I'm looking at it as we speak. I'm looking at Tim's top five, and it's uh it's quite something. I have to say, it's impressive. Well, I was under a lot of pressure because I know that Chris Paddock was also doing his, and then you've everyone's done theirs. And it leaves the listeners thinking, can anything new be added? And the answer is yes. Oh, no, no, no. There's always yes. new ways in, yes. which, uh, in which people can create white music, Tim. White music, it, it, the, the music that is just, what is it that, what is it Letcher Bangs once said? Is a paler shade of white? Um, like there is always a new Michael Bolton, uh, with every, uh, with every 72 hour period that passes, one always has a new LFO that is corrupting the, uh, the pop scene, like some sort of, uh, musical graffito. So, so. mine was painstakingly put together. Not that yours wasn't, or Chris Paddock's will not no, be. Just, you know what it is? This is like when we did the uh, top five moping songs a while back. Everybody's coming from a different place. Everyone is, uh, everyone is polishing a different facet of the jewel that is music. Tim. I sat down with a bowl of oatmeal and came up with it. <laughs> If, I, if nothing could be whiter, really, if there was no, you didn't have any Morning Star, uh, any Morning Star chicken nuggets around. Sarah Dillon is the Morning Star chicken nugget. <laughs> I just, just had some today. Let me just tell you this: was that a chicken patty you were having? In the it kitchen? was. They were chicken patties. Yeah, I could not for the longest time. I was staring at them, <laughs> and I couldn't tell if they were chicken uh, patties or if they were cookies of some kind. I think they're spelled chicken. Is it because yeah, like see, I like chick apostrophe. Because it's like a tofu thing, right? Yeah, anyway, or right. yeah, some kind of thing. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show, Christopher J. Paddock, joining us for Lost in 408. Hello, sir. Hello there. How are you? And today? I would like to say White Music is a great album by the band XTC. Do they actually yeah. have a record yeah. called White Music? Yeah, what about did. the White Album? That's fantastic. Oh, truly. Mm -hmm. Thank you. So uh, are we prepared for today's... Uh... I'm ready, and I'll tell you, it was and hellish to get over here. This no, it was... It, I, I, I had uh, a couple of uh, beverages in me last night, and then I forgot my wicked old key card, and I found myself locked out. Uh, I went to the restroom, and I locked myself out, you and I was stuck in the lobby for about a half an hour, you and I had a, Lisa Wood, co-host of the Punk Show and Evenings here on uh, KUFO to rescue me. You had you, this morning? You pulled a Lycus. Uh, yesterday. Yeah. Oh, okay. I pulled a Lycus? Pulled a Lycus. When, uh, when talk show host Tom Lycus was here, he did his he did his talk show from here about, about a year and a half ago, two years ago, and he was in the, the room right next to us, and he's you know he's doing the show, and they have the satellite uplink or whatever, so he's doing this national talk show. He's being heard everywhere. Uh, and from here, and nobody told him the thing about, like when you go to use the John here, there's two different electronically sealed doors. You are locked out. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like it's like full-on a clean room uh, a lockout. And he goes to the bathroom, and he comes back out, and he pulls on the door, and it won't open. And I guess it was a lot of, hello? Yep. For God's sake, I can't get back in. <laughs> I need to be back on the, can anybody hear me? This is not a joke. 
It's, just, it's unbelievable what's yeah. happening. Unbelievable. This is outrageous. I can't get... Hello? And then wow. it's just like... Long, and eventually somebody went to look for him. But here's the thing. It, it, depending on uh, when you're here and how many people are here, you know, there's, there's somebody here and he's busy. I don't know. He's uh, I don't know, busy having some sort of blue conversation with somebody on the request line. It might be like... You, you, I mean, you might be back there like Donner Party style just yeah. until they decide to wander back looking for, a, a, you know, Mike and Ike's in the vending machine. I was looking for uh, ceiling panels for me to crawl through a la uh, ben Binder in uh, in the, the Breakfast Club. We would also have accepted John McClain. Thank you, John McClain, as well. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for another exciting installment of Lost in 408 with Sarah X. Dillon and Chris Paddock. Wow, uh, I think this might have been the best episode of the season. See, I think that last week's was still the best episode. I thought this week was really good, especially now we finally have some answers to the Ben stuff, and we get to see the Smoke Monster, and we get to see the Temple right, for the it, first okay, time. So, we, so let's, it, let's, back it, let's, let's back this up. Okay. It is all about Ben last night. Ben Linus, all he's ben a Linus questionable character. People look at him as a scoundrel, a villain. What was Linus and Locke? And Locke was involved in this, but it seemed a bit misunderstood. I mean, we all think... Maybe Ben Linus is a blood sucker and he just wants to kill everybody that gets in his way. Well, it was kind of weird the way that he um, just all of a sudden shot Caesar, the way he just has turned into like kind of a cold-blooded killer, except for when it comes to people who have children. Yes. Which is a little That's strange. That's his weakness. It's like his kryptonite. And, and uh, to back it all up, they, he was supposed to... Uh, when he was young, and we saw a lot of bad uh, uh, hair pieces on uh, on Michael Emerson See, last I, night. I thought that he looked a little hot yeah, when he yeah, had yeah, the hair. Right. Okay, and when he was like running through the woods before he stole Danielle's baby, and like yeah. uh, he was at the like, little kid of... that looked like a young River Phoenix. All right. Well, he was okay. Maybe I'll get younger. Different taste. All right. Okay. So anyway, uh, he ends up having to kill Danielle. That's what he's told to do by Charles, Charles Widmore, who is apparently the leader. Okay, so did you catch why he got banished? Did he also spin uh, the donkey wheel and he wasn't supposed to? Possibly. He broke the rules and then he went out and he went into the world and had a baby. Yeah, because he was traveling back and forth and yes. so he's trying to live like the two parallel lives exactly. on the island and then in the real world. Right, and that's not happening because he didn't put the island first. So Ben had a problem with that. Therefore, Charles Widmore banished from the island. Uh, Charles Widmore ordering Ben to kill Danielle. And then when he realized that there was a baby, mm -hmm. he didn't want to do anything. So that's how he ended up with Alex. Yes, and also he was also made this weird thing about how if the island didn't want him to have the baby, then the baby was going to be killed. But since the baby was still there, it was supposed to be on the so island. So this sets up a whole bunch of things. Like, okay, obviously now we, we kind of see what's going on. Because Ben is atoning for his sin. He has to be judged. And that's okay. the point of this. So he travels to the temple yes. where it, they meet up with the smoke monster. They do. And he also sees his daughter, which for whom he's being judged because he let her die. He feels responsible for her death. And he is in turn responsible. Well, here, here's a little theory on that. Remember when Echo ran into his dead brother? Yes. And then he had the smoke monster. The smoke monster appears in into uh, figures of people that maybe they, they might have a lot of guilt uh, about attached how they to. Feel. Okay. About how maybe they may have wronged them. And obviously, uh, Alex last night appears after the smoke monster does and this whole little analysis where we get to see what's going on inside the smoke. I know. Well, she slaps him in the shape, too, and is like, listen to John Locke. Stop being too proud. Locke is who you're supposed to be. And, and to. Alex is dead. And yeah. that's what. And that was the title of the, uh, the, the, the dead episode. Is dead. dead is dead. So. And that's kind of weird, too, because it keeps saying how dead is dead, and that's uh, what he references about Locke, but Locke is now alive on the island, and, and uh, Horn, or Linus says at one point, he's like, it doesn't matter. He's like, dead is dead. So does that mean that Ben or that Locke actually still is dead. Hmm. We, I, you know, I think I think we're going back to something here where uh, perhaps Locke is special. And let's keep this in mind. Remember when uh, 
Locke was initially shot by Ben way back in yes, like season three. Yes, and then he fell three. into the pile of the all the dead of Dharma all the people. Dead people. Yep. yep. I think Richard Alpert had something to do with maybe giving uh, Locke the ability to rise again. His special powers. Perhaps. Richard Alpert's um, eyeliner was distracting last night as well. Well, look, it's all coming back to the whole Egyptian thing, because when they were in the temple, you saw a lot of hieroglyphics. A lot I of think hieroglyphics. I saw a jackal. Dude, it was uh, totally like... In it, there. Did it remind you of Indiana Jones when I was watching it? Was it was a little Indiana it Jones. It was totally Indiana but Jones. How about and this? Awesome. What, how about that plumbing when they got the smoky monster? You had to pull that plug. I know. Yeah, it reminded me of my sewage at my house. Wow. You know what this was like? This was like watching, uh, I can now tie everything into Twitter. This is like watching a series of Twitter messages back and forth between two people who have each taken a very powerful psychotropic substance <laughs> and they're staring at a blacklight poster that appears to be <laughs> swirling in all directions simultaneously. I've just had many, many, many cups of caffeine. <laughs> Spinning the donkey wheel, a song by Blood, Sweat, and Tears. That's a great song. So, uh, yeah. And I will say that Dead is Dead should be done. Let's get let's get uh, Yucks R Us or whoever, uh, make them laugh. Lots of laughs. Lots of laughs. Let's get them on a parody, do a little uh, um, Huey Lewis in the news, bad is bad, and do dead is dead. Huey you Lewis. Patrick, I think that you could do anything. I think that you should get up with your music. Thank you. That's very nice. I, I think I. Uh, you should be the new yeah. Billy Bob Thornton. I thought you said, yeah, maybe. You should I get could a music be. career going and then refuse to talk you about the You forgot one of his station. best movies ever. Bad Santa. Bad Santa, which oh. is a fantastic film. And Armageddon. And the thing is, you I mean, you want to like the guy. Like, even, you know what, Billy Bob Thornton Armageddon, is, that's what I was thinking of him in. He is frequently the best thing about a bad film. I mean, he's been in movies where the, the movie, I mean, Armageddon's a perfect example, is where the movie itself is largely irredeemable. He, however, is fantastic. He lifts the source material to a higher plane. He transcends. Here's yeah. another one. Uh, bad movie, great performance. Uh, Pushing Tin. Oh, yeah. That's I thought that was John Cusack yeah, in it. It's a terrible film. It was yeah, totally really boring. Bad. Yeah. Really bad movie. Great yeah. concept, great premise, great potential. Squandered. And the only thing that's good about it, and not even Cusack is any good. Uh, oh, Billy, it's an awful movie. Billy Bob Thornton is good. Although, do you remember? Bandits. Like, and the Bandits. Also, um, oh, damn, what is that? Other, now I'm, uh, Are Bandits. Coen Brothers, and... the man who wasn't there? No, no, but that's another one. The, uh, wasn't he in, I was thinking The Ref, but it's not The Ref. It's a movie like that. It was like one of those. Well, Bad Santa is he's a he's a criminal. He's also he plays kind of a scoundrel uh, type character in the Bad News Bears remake, another awful movie. There's that, but I'm thinking there was something that came out in like 1990, I think, kind of before he was a, a really ascended. Oh, okay. It's like an early film, but if recent Sling Blade. But yeah, because that was his because he it was um I think he was in No Way Out with Kevin Costner. Oh wow, which has uh, that has some flaws in it. But if I recall correctly, he's in that, and I, I think it's, he really does bring it. But he often would give these interviews. This seemed to be especially the case when he was with Angelina Jolie. I mean, they were like carrying each other's blood around their yeah, neck. Yeah, I was going to say to that guy, oh, yeah. it's like, come on, dude, the guy carries blood in a vial around his neck. But to the thing, no, I thought that was her but, and Johnny Lee. No, 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 no that no, was her no. and Billy Bob Thornton. Okay, but but even in those interviews, he would kind of be he would be weird and sometimes confrontational. But it was in a very it was in a very engaging kind of way. Whereas with this, it was like he was just sort of this really unlikable Teflon. You know, you yeah. make movies. No, I don't. Okay, but um, yes, you do. You've made movies. No. And it was just, there was just no foothold to be had. I, I got to speak from personal experience because I've met uh, Keanu Reeves when he was working with his band Dogstar. Yeah. They had an album called Quattro Formaggi, which I thought was just a horrible album title to begin with. Uh, he also did not want to talk about his acting career. Right. Hmm. At all. And meanwhile, uh, when I met him, he was in the midst of doing the Matrix sequels, and he had his eyebrows shaved, and it was really creepy. It's like when I, I interviewed Mark Hamill sometime. It was a long time ago, but I, Mark Hamill didn't want. It was he was going through some phase where he didn't want to talk about Star Wars uh, at all. 
And the deal that I had to cut with, because I was so desperate to get him on the show because he didn't do a lot of interviews at this point, the deal I had to cut with Mark Hamill is he had put out this comic book called uh, The Black Pearl, uh, which no one cared about. Uh, and I had to, I swear to God, I had to agree to talk about The Black Pearl for a solid hour. And the deal was then he would do the rest of the show talking about Star Wars. And so there I am. So on page 70, and I'm That's basically horrible. down to just describing each brush. You could have had page. more time talking about Corvette Summer. Excellent. What, tell me about the maiming of the face. How did the, <laughs> when did that happen? Oh, man. All right. I like Corvette uh, Summer. Great movie. Mm-hmm. Chris Paddock, ladies Andy and gentlemen. Andy Potts. Thank you. Rick Emerson's show continues straight ahead. News from Tim Riley. Kelly Clark will be here from the Lambert Week, and we'll count down Tim Riley's five whitest songs ever. It's Rock 101 KUFO. KUFO, Portland. No way that can't be brought up. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Good morning to you. It is Thursday. Bill ahead, we have Tim Riley's top five whitest songs ever committed to vinyl. And these, by the way, were all on vinyl. These are all vinyl songs. Maybe not, they're probably not exclusively vinyl now. In fact, I'm sure they're probably available digitally for just $1.29 a track, Tim. Too much. <laughs> Look at the, the instant verdict from the news department. That is just too much to pay for art. Uh, we will also have um, Kelly Clark from Willamette Week joining us here in just one moment. It's 503-733-2970. So we got the, we had the Billy Bob Thornton sound. We had the Britney Spears sound. We got the Levi Johnson thing. You know, we haven't, uh, I've, I've got this, uh, not that there's really any demand for a, a brand new song from No Doubt. I don't really know that anybody out there is clamoring for it. Well, they're having a big like reunion thing. This Are they? Right? Yeah. See, I don't really know. I mean, it's because it, it, I don't. I mean, it's. I, I think that has to be a thing. I think it's like maybe you spend a lot of time at Old Navy. You learn to follow, no doubt. But I think beyond that, I don't really know. Or if you were, or if you were a woman between, uh, like, like if you were between the ages of probably sixteen and twenty-five, between the years of like ninety-five. And 2000, mm-hmm. you probably follow uh, No Doubt uh, and or Gwen Stefani. Well, I loved No Doubt when I was younger. I don't I don't know. I didn't get into her when she was all like doing her little, you know, crazy girls who followed her around in that Bananas song and everything. I didn't listen to that. Now, song. was that a No Doubt song or was that her? Her. That was the that was the holler back thing with the banana mm-hmm. bananas. See, now that's going to be in my head. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from the Willamette Week. Kelly Clark. Hello. Hey, How guys. are you today? I'm doing great. So th- is this your theme music that you have requested? Yes. Wow, it happened like magic. You know, uh, we have all of the world at this our fingertips like here at CBS here. Radio. It's, you guys, you guys have the big guns. That's <laughs> big guns. That's what we do. <laughs> all right, so we'll talk about, uh, you, you kind of have an overview of uh, things people can do to amuse themselves yes. for just the change in their pockets, just if not less. change in their pockets. So we'll do that in a second. But first, I have to ask you this. So you... Uh, I mean, I just know without even asking. Like, it's just, I just know this like I know my own name. So you you do the, the whole Twitter thing, right? Is this a thing that Willamette makes you do, or did you do it your own self? I actually made a pact with the Arts and Culture Department that we would start trying to to Twitter, because we've been making fun of it so long. So have we. All of a sudden, yeah. one day, we were like, you know what? We should actually give it a try. So we know it better and can make fun of it more, you know. So is this like... Uh, more fully. And more clever. You decided more to do fully. it together, so it's like, uh, is that like a whole like, no, 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 as long as as long as long we're both there doing it together as a couple, it's not it's yeah, not wrong. It's, it's not okay. wrong. It's not dirty. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I started a couple weeks ago, and you know what? I'm not I'm not as anti as I was before. I still I don't understand I can't it. Deal, I can't deal with the, 
I'm having some salsa right now. Mmm, chips, crunch. You know, that doesn't work for me. But uh here's the confusing thing. So Sarah and I have just been I, we just dug in <laughs> we our just heels again. And not only have we resisted it, but we've resisted you guys are it. So adorable. <laughs> we, we just decided today. We've resisted yeah, yeah. it like with a side helping of scorn the entire uh time through because it just seemed, What do you do without a side helping of scorn, please? Really nothing. Uh it's just it's not even really it's not even like a door prize at this point. It is just it is just part of my uh it's just inherent. But um Okay, so I'm looking at people I'm following. This is confusing. And I came in this morning, and let me just say this. When we left yesterday, like oh. at the end of yesterday, Sarah didn't have a Twitter account. Or, you know, we hadn't done it. I didn't have one, and we were both on the same page. And then it's like when you come back to school after summer vacation, one of your friends has become a whole lot cooler. Or how about this? Here's the other thing that Sarah's sending out a Twitter this morning about the punk show on KUFO. Here's what it was like. It's like when you and your friends um, are both cutting class together. You know, you're mm-hmm. both kind of skipping school and going to the mall and like kind of playing super dodgeball instead of going to fifth period. But then you find out that your friend behind your back has been doing extra credit homework and doing all of their, uh, you know, and secretly you know, handing out all the schoolwork. Oh. And then you find out that you're going to fail. They're still going to pass. So Sarah and I, I thought we're on the same page with this. And she said, hold on, I'm sending out a Twitter about the punk show. Well, because I hadn't thought about it. And I kept getting all these like Twitter, like, so-and-so is following you. So I'm, I'm like, I might as well do she something She is inherently and I said, more Twitter-pated than you are. And she is Twitter-pated. And I said, she is just better at it than you are. I said, you're sending out a, a Twitter with what Twitter account? She goes, oh, the one I secretly had forever. Well, I, I always, whenever there's a new <laughs> like networking site, I always have to save my name. Like, so somebody yeah. else doesn't, yeah. doesn't grab I, onto I it. I agree. So I do that. in the space of about 90 minutes this morning, we went from like zero to complete confusion on this. Because before it, it's like before I was confused by it, but it didn't really matter because I wasn't trying to use it. So now I'm sort of in the depths of it, and I, I realize that I'm just... Uh, I'm just so completely and totally out of my well, element. I don't know what here. it means. So I'm looking at the people I'm following and like with you, Rick, I can't send any, like everyone else says I could send a message to them, but yeah. you don't have any option for that. And with Kelly Clark, I'm looking and it says Kelly Clark direct message or nudge. So and you're the only person that says, it says nudge next Wait, what to is Apparently they're using me as a test case. I'm uh, going to nudge you. Wait, I clicked it. Wait, what does that mean? I don't, can I, I know? Can I, I nudge somebody? Anything. Can you feel it? No, I can't feel anything. Wait a minute. What is nudging? You suck at nudging. I don't know. I don't know what nudging is. Someone can tell I'm us I'm waiting that. for nudge. I don't have sure. a nudge button. You don't, have you don't even have a message button. Do you know why? It's because you, you nudge, don't believe. Uh, it's like believing in fairies and Peter Pan. You nudge you don't Kelly, believe. Clark. Kelly Clark may update soon. What? Oh, does that mean like you're trying to prod me into saying something new? Let like a just, little little. Maybe you haven't said prod? something in a while. Let me just stop everything for a moment and ask this. Okay. Is it a bad sign, though, that the three of us are reasonably intelligent and none of us can figure out how to use something that has been mastered by nine-year-olds across <laughs> the world? I mean, I do. Th- I think that there's... I, I would speculate that probably 80% of the people who use Twitter don't really understand what they're doing, and probably everybody else who doesn't use Twitter is intimidated by it because they feel like everybody else on Earth understands it and they don't and that's kind of where i am with this so why do you why can nobody send you messages i think it's because he has his account set up so no one can send him messages and he just doesn't know that yet i have no idea but ryan seacrest can send me messages i mean i guess that's because he's ryan seacrest can i go into your account and reset it or you can just see his tweets i i don't want to see ryan and i don't (laughs) show me your tweets and i'm not going to ask you to show me your nudge button so you already did uh, nudge button and let's, here's let's my, use nudge button here's my last question about long. this because you because you've been doing this longer than we have i am in media yes here's my final question my final question for now is how is it that people can follow me if they don't know that i have a twitter account which by definition they would have to be following me to know well they probably heard you talk about it but okay but let's pretend, you have a thing called a radio okay show. but let's pretend that i'm not me for a second like let's pretend i'm just some guy 
if you're just some guy and you in other words if people don't opt in to get your twitter messages mm-hmm. if they don't if they don't sign up to get all of your crap sent to them then they're not going to get any of it. But it's like, in order to sign up, they would have to know you're on there to begin with. Well, but how would they well, even they know? Well, they can Google you through your email address or something, they can, can you? They can, when they sign up, they can go through their whole address book and see. Or, even better, mm. everybody has a mental list of people that when they go to a new social media net- networking site, they automatically start typing in their names and searching them. Oh, that's true. You, know, you, you search your ex-boyfriend. You, you, no, no, no. You search your ex-boyfriend. Yeah, maybe. Uh, <laughs> not like you'd ever do anything like that. You search Sarah Dillon. You know, you search people in your life. You're like, oh, I wonder if this person doing it. I wonder if this person has given up and joined Twitter. Mostly it's to feel superior. You're like, you know, oh, I wonder if this person has actually bought into this too. Right. And then immediately, and then you're like, I wonder if Rick Emerson is doing this. He always rails against all this stuff. And you're like, look it. Sucker has it. And then you follow him. Okay, Rick, like, I'm like a stalker. I went into your settings. All right. And so what I am is, in your settings. Uh, you're, you're in my settings, adjusting, in adjusting settings. my profiles. All right. Let's see. Nudging Password. Me. Notices. I don't even know what this is. No. And could you please, and could you also... Uh, <laughs> Let everybody know his password, please. Could you also just set it to block anything that Ryan Seacrest ever tries to do? I'm also doing... I nudge me if I haven't updated in 24 hours. I'll oh, check that's that for you. Nudging. Okay. Nudge me if nudging. I haven't updated in 24 hours. So you're going to be nudged. Is that like after you it's tie like off... Punch me in the face if I haven't. <laughs> yeah. After you tie off your friend and you're supposed to check and see if he's breathing in seven or eight minutes? Jesus, God I'm so Almighty. exhausted now by all this. The whole thing media. is it's wearing me out. I know. You know, and here's the thing. Now that we signed up for this, Sarah, and you and I have got a, we've got Twitter accounts rolling. Now, of course, uh, the time, I mean, we've been logged on to Twitter for, um, I would say three hours and 15 minutes now. Clearly, it's time that we begin monetizing this ancillary <laughs> revenue stream. I, uh, I feel like this is a tertiary form of income. Look at Here, you and all them, their big words. Well, Sarah, it's time that we at CBS fully embrace the paradigm of new media. Because I'm sorry, that was more than 160 characters. Damn! <laughs> well, can't we just? Well, can't CBS just send us something? That says send us money. Please send us Please dollar send bills. Us dollars. D o l l a r z. Seriously, Rick, I don't know what's going on with your profile. You can't add anything. I'm not dude, like I don't even. Why are you so frustrating? I bet he doesn't even have a picture yet. You realize I, I haven't have a even. Either. <laughs> you realize I've never you even ruse. clicked anything in my Twitter account, I right? Like you sent this for me. <laughs> Mine is a picture of Lux. Uh, detergent that used to be on the counter of Willamette Week that I always really liked. All right, let's never talk about this again. <laughs> Jesus God, I, have you seen Observe and Report? No, but uh, our screen critic has, and he's been talking about it ever since so much that I had to put it on the list of things you've got to do because I'm going to see it on Friday. I have to say that we were sort of uh, not even indifferent. I mean, it just—I uh, mean, I'll say it. Uh, it looked bad when we went to see uh, Watchmen. Sarah and I were sitting next oh. to each other, Watchmen, and the trailer for Observe and Report came on. And of course, we had two thoughts: one, this looks like that Paul Blart mall cop thing, yeah, which I guess they were filming at the same time. And apparently, from what I read. I guess the two movies have references to each other because they realized <laughs> they each knew they were filming at the same time. So I think at one point in Paul Blart Mall Cop, which I haven't seen, I guess at one point a guy says, ma'am, I'm just here to observe and report. And I think there's a oh, Paul yeah. Blart reference in Observe and Report. So um, so that was our first thing was that it looked like Paul Blart. The second thing was that it looked bad. And the third thing was that it seemed like something that Seth Rogen had probably gotten in the can like five, six years ago. And they just kept around. And then when he became famous, they decided to put it out. So then Don Taylor, uh, who uh, writes for Cinematical and whose opinion we respect uh-huh. greatly, went to see it. And on Tuesday, she was here and she just I don't even think it was on the air. I think it was during a commercial break. She just raved about it. Yeah. And she said it was fa- she actually used exactly the same phrase that I think you used when you emailed me about this. You said that um, you said that it was <laughs> like it was like a, a mall cop thing meets taxi, taxi driver, driver, which is exactly what she said. Yeah. 
So apparently it's all dark and twisted and, and fantastic. No, uh, a couple guys from the office came back raving about it. And granted, I mean, they're, you know, antisocial psychos, you know, that's because it's my work. And they absolutely loved it. So they thought it was great. They said it was really dark. They said it basically takes it to the edge of, of it, you know, they were mentioning Cable Guy and Bad Santa. Right. You know, all of these movies that makes me happy if you're going to mention sort of, you know, you know, dispel, you know, sort of dispatching with humanity in terrible ways, and then said that this just took it over the edge and went even farther. So. Fantastic. Yeah, and so it opens on Friday. So what else is happening in our fair city, Kelly Let's Clark? See, another thing that's happening: the Thermals. I don't know if you know about Thermals, a longtime Portland power punk band. Uh, they have a new album out called "Now We Can See," which is actually a little bit more melodic than their last couple outings. Um, really beautiful, really fun, and uh, they've got a big show actually tonight at Wonder Ballroom. I actually, and I wish I, knew, I wish I could remember the name of the uh, the uh, the song. I can't because it's uh, my head is uh, so full of uh, you know information and ideas for uh, you know creating revenue streams. What with tertiary, yeah, I'm going to find a way Synergy. to I'm, I'm going to monetize the abacus. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> And uh, and also that thing in Papillon where the guy hides uh, the guy hides notes between his buttocks. Um, so. Um, but there was a thermal song I actually heard the other day, and I didn't know it was them. It was one of those things where you walk by and somebody was listening yeah. to it. And I stopped and I said, "What is that?" And I was, oh, it's the thermals, and it was just fantastic. And I, you know, pretend to be hipper than I am. I just did, I didn't know a whole lot about them. Yeah, uh, and it was really, really good. They have been great for years. I mean, uh, you can just if you go on their site, you can see all their old videos, and you can catch up to speed on them. But the great thing is that they're so weird. It's Kathy Foster and Hutch Harris. And they've been doing it for years, and then they have rotating drummers and people who are working with them. And we have a Q&A with Hutch Harris this week. And apparently, he is terrified of religion. He is terrified of basements. He's terrified of German journalists. The man is just a bundle of neuroses, which makes it even more attractive and the music even better. Fantastic. So if you want to get inside the mind of the thermals before you start you know, jumping all around and screaming to the music... Really good way to go. So he's got mm-hmm. the he's has he has the crazy hot thing going on. He has hey, the let crazy me ask hot you this. thing going on. Yeah. Say, Kelly Clark, you're a woman. Uh, does oh, the does the crazy uh, hot thing work uh, for guys? You know, t- on women the way that it does. You know, in other words, like a girl who's uh, already uh, attractive or already sexy in some way. If she's crazy, she becomes infinitely more attractive. Does that work on women too? Like, if a guy is nuts. Uh, like if he's not, hot to begin with, but then he's also a little oh, bothered. Not so much nutso. Sometimes it's wounded. I'd say wounded probably works better than nutso. Fixer uppers. Yeah, fixer uppers. You look at that house and you're like, oh, I could just give it a paint job, a little bit of plants here and there. It'll I can't wait to change that house into one I don't want to live in anymore. Exactly. <laughs> That's I'm wonderful. Green. So, so if it's the, uh, it's the, if only I could heal him. Yeah, there's nah, there's something to nah, that. Right. I don't. It's not a good thing, but no, it's true. All right, fair. But enough. the crazy eyes, the jittering, no. Like. Never mind. <laughs> no, nah, I was just going to go back to Amanda Fritz, but you know what? That's a, that's a drum Oof. we've just beaten too frequently. <laughs> Lemur eyes really is what those are. Straight ahead, Tim Riley will count down his five whitest songs ever recorded. It is the Rick Emerson Show. It is Rock 101 KUFO. This is ACDC. Putting the cult in pop culture. My eyes, the goggles do nothing. The Rick Emerson Show returns on Rock 101 KUFO. It is the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. All right. I My final thought on this before we move to the top five. I don't know who Adventure Girl is, but I've gotten like 700 uh, Twitter update things from her in like the last 30 seconds. So she is now dead to me. She's my sworn enemy. <laughs> I pray for her professional Does it and say personal where she's from or anything? Yeah, no, what, it doesn't. What's her last update? I, like 30 seconds ago, it was something like, I, it, was, it was literally like it. I like cheese kind of a thing. And so you say, and then unless she's a cheesemonger, that's not okay. And I don't know uh, who she is. And Tim, this is radio in a nutshell. Tim said, "Didn't we used to work with her?" 
this adventure girl. And without even thinking about it, I said, no, 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 that was Danger Girl. And you immediately knew who I was talking about. Who's Danger Girl? Uh, it's, just, uh, it's a woman we used to work with uh, when we were at Fisher. Uh, I think it was like maybe a year or so before you joined the show. Uh, and it was... And there was da- like a franchise. And da- I think there were multiple Danger <laughs> Girls. Had, have a Danger Girl at but that point. Danger Girl. Like the Dread Pirate Roberts. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Okay. And she was the female variation on, like, Stunt Boy. So morning shows all have a stunt boy, but she was a girl, so she was a danger girl. Is that when like Christina had to go and like shoot pumpkins from a cannon or something? Something that yeah. sounds like a thing that they would have done. Being shot hmm. from a cannon with a pumpkin. Yeah, I, so that's it's uh, so that is a that's just that, that is a microcosm of all that is all that is good and bad about this. All right, I I had something else I was going to ask, but you know what? I I realize now that I just uh, I just don't care. So I've closed the Twitter window, and I'm going to make a vow to myself. I'm not going to open it until like the show is done today. No, no, that's I, a, no, we have to promise that we're only going to Twitter during breaks. Okay, are we are we making a vow yeah. here? Are we, are we shaking, or are we just as like a virtual, is like a mental shake between the this. two of us? No, no, it'll be unless we're doing a bit about it on the radio. Okay, but it, but that bit has to be publicly revealed. Yes. Like I go over and like you're twittering and you go, no, 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 it's for a bit that I'm working on. Yeah, no, I don't want to do anything personal. Like I'm on my fourth cup of coffee and have to pee. All know? right. So the vow we're making now yeah. is that we will not uh, do anything involving Twitter uh, on the air uh, or during show. It'll only be during breaks unless it is for an, an understood and acknowledged show segment or bit. Yeah. All right. Fantastic. All right. I think you already got the infection. I think it's too late. Back then. Tim Riley is uh, following these headlines today on Thursday morning. Britney storms off stage for 30 minutes in Vancouver due to pot smoke in the auditorium. Today's bankruptcy hearings could spell the end to an Oregon institution known as Joe's, or G.I. Joe's. 460 furloughed country coach employees south of here will be formally terminated April 14th. U.S. warships arrive in Somalia to battle pirates. And Rihanna creates her own perfume. Ladies and... (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, here's your top five for Thursday five, on the Rick Emerson four, radio show. And I've resisted three, the Rihanna thing, two, by the way. One, fire. Counting is wonderful. Counting is marvelous. Counting is the best thing to do. Counting is happiness. Counting is ecstasy. I love to count, don't you? Ladies and gentlemen, as we plunge headlong in today's top five, we'll do a little recap. So on Tuesday, I counted down what were, in my assessment, the five whitest songs ever committed uh, to vinyl. We followed it up with Sarah's on Wednesday today, Tim Riley. Tomorrow, we will wrap up this week with Chris Paddock's top five whitest songs. And I've seen sort of a sneak. I don't know if it's the final version. I've seen like an embryonic version of his list. Uh, is it a rough draft? I have to say, it is uh, It is relentlessly Caucasian. Um, so this uh, is even more so. I, Let it, him try to beat this. <laughs> that I of that I have no doubt. Uh, so let me uh, we'll get these ready, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we now give to you uh, Tim Riley and his top five whitest songs ever committed to vinyl. You, usually, I'm not competitive except for top five lists. I will let people win, but not in this instance. <laughs> that is where the line must be drawn. Mm-hmm. Here and no further. Honorable mention goes to Clint Holmes and Playground in My Mind. Like I just see so Big Bird bad. and Whoa, Barkley running down the street. It is creepy. Especially oh, scary about creepy. Do you know the song? No. Oh, it's, I don't think so. Uh, it's unnerving. It's children in your basement. <laughs> see, it gets me down. And yet we're all bouncing along. No Everybody's saying. Uh, we're changing to Radio Disney. I'm in a playground in my mind. Playground in my mind? That's one of those scary playgrounds from Nightmare on Elm Street. 
place in Vegas. So this is whenever he's, he's stressed out. Your boyfriend down, Sarah he, <laughs> whenever, okay, whenever he's feeling put upon, Clint Holmes, he uh, closes his eyes and he imagines he's at a playground filled with children. <laughs> if, if, when you're leaving the Vegas airport, he comes up with a video telling you how to sort through your stuff. Does he really? Thanks for visiting my home. Now as you're heading home, here are a few tips for you. So it's sort of a, so it's sort of a Danny Gans greets you, but Clint Holmes goodbye. waves goodbye to you. Okay, this is Twitter. Get right on that. (laughs) Having my baby. Here is Paul Anka. By the way, the first time I heard this song, when I was a kid, I thought it was a joke. I was like maybe six or seven. Even then, I thought it was like a goof of some kind. You hit this post? Here's Paul Anka. Having my baby. baby. Almost. That was a layer. I remember back in the days when this was played, they had the, uh, the housewife DJ on. His really? last, last name in New England was always Kennedy, and he was, ladies, how would you like to have my baby? <laughs> oh, wow. You know what I mean. Our phone lines are open. <laughs> Caller 10 gets my seed. Brent, don't excerpt that out, please. That's a, please don't, please don't do that. I see you making eye contact. Stop that. So wait, when you say it was a housewife DJ, it wasn't like an actual housewife named Matilda who came in to spin the hits. No, it was always a mellow voice guy exchanging recipes and reading love is out of the Boston Globe. Was he the man who was around the house and always understood you? <laughs> and his last name was always Kennedy. This is the, the, the there's like a, a female accompaniment that comes in at some point, isn't there? Yes. But I can't remember who it is. Deep inside you. Oh. Oh. What's showing? It's a different playground in your For mind. shame, Sarah. <laughs> oh, ah, oh. Wait for it. <laughs> Sarah, I want you to I want you to imagine a uh, I want to sing this as a karaoke duet. Yes. I want you to imagine that you're party. Imagine yourself sitting at an Italian restaurant while a man uh, a man pulls out a guitar and begins to serenade you uh, with this. How about the woman with the tattooed nail? She could be the female part. (laughs) She has had babies. Good God almighty. These are Tim Riley's five whitest songs ever recorded. Number four, Dance With Me with Orleans. Oh, totally. This list is pretty solid already. This is the only one I can listen to without getting hives. This is from Suburbia. And nothing is whiter than this. Here's Orleans and Dance With Me. At KUFO. <laughs> Dance with me. I want to be a partner. Can you see Why did Kelly and Sarah both know every word to this? Was I this, do not know the words to this. Was this like on a gold station that your mom listened to when yeah. you were growing up or something? Oh, yeah. yeah while I was getting ready for, yeah, when I was getting ready for school, this is what was playing on the radio. While my mom was putting her hair in like hot rollers. I remember my mom driving me to school in like gold station wagon yeah. was playing. While she's uh, picking up which uh, flavor of fruit leather to put in the uh, exactly. in the bag, and then my dad would play me Mr. Roboto, so you know, yeah, balanced out. I'm still back on the uh, the Paul Anka. You're having my baby. I feel like we really missed the chance to make like a Bristol watch or something out of that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, there's always the future. Somebody will be somebody will get impregnated. They always do. Are you gonna have kids, Kelly Clark? Someday, and when I do, I am going to call in and play that song for you. <laughs> and, and, and sing it on the phone. Yes. 
In it, fact, that song might. The day have you got, get knocked up, we are going to sing it in duets. You somewhere. know what? That song that might have gotten me pregnant right now, <laughs> just from hearing it. You feel like there's something special inside there's of you. There's something special growing inside me. That's that's what the Octo Mom said. <laughs> that's uh, that's that's probably just. Uh, I don't even know where I was going with that. Yeah, There's nothing I, I could say that isn't unacceptably crude or, or bleak. All right. <laughs> it's the uh, it's the Rick Emerson Show. These are Tim Riley's five whitest songs ever recorded. Number three. Somebody stole this song. Actually, they they almost stole it from my brain the other day during a meeting. I And I think it was Susan Reynolds. This is uh, the Buckinghams with Susan. Yeah, that was actually, it was on. I think the, it was mentioned. It was Tuesday morning. This guy brought this, up in a. This is uh, the greatest white song, I believe, 1968, 69. Susan. No other girl could ever take the place of you. Back on the having my baby thing, when, Ke- <laughs> yeah, when Kelly said, I feel something growing inside me right now, in my in my head, uh, I was going through a list of, of funny <laughs> things I could say, and I, and they all seemed just so inappropriate. Like the, like the most innocuous one I came up with was tapeworm. Yeah. That's it. I you can't, like, you know, cyst? Like, that doesn't work. Here comes the Duke Duke part. Ready? Oh, no, this isn't it. This is the string section. Way to ruin it. We were so excited. I know. There are great expectations there. You know what this sounds like? At home, I have this five-volume set, and it's Reader's Digest versions of popular songs from the 60s and 70s. Where it basically, it's like elevator music, instrumentals of popular songs. This sounds like one of those, like after the fact. This sounds like a blander version of, a, of an extant song. Good God. All right, these are Tim Riley's we five. Okay. Do, do, do part. I just want to hear two uh, seconds, of, then we can move on. This is the best part of the right. song. Ready? Here it comes. Oh, no, this is the drug-tripping part. Tim, well, this just got exponentially false promises better. over and over. This is the George Martin remake. It is. Terrifying. Uh oh. I'd love to turn you on. This is full surround mono, my dear. This sounds like a day in the life. It's completely a day in the life. So and let's move along to number two. We're talking about white things. And one of the. <laughs> One of the whitest <laughs> things that I can think of is the Donna Reed Show. Yes. Which uh, I believe started in the late 50s and ended like 65, 66. And from that, we have uh, one of the stars of the show, one of the people who play one of the kids, Paul Peterson, singing My Dad, My White Dad. He is much in the eyes of the world. He'll never make They had probably just had a few over not finishing everything on his plate. Is he in his room reflecting, no, looking at a photo of his dad in a frame? He is in a recording studio when his dad walks in. And he's about to record this song for some reason. Oh, so you're not well, making this awkward. up. This no. is from an actual episode. This is from an actual episode. Wow. Wow. Would you hey, like to copy he, this for your you know dad? Be great. This, why don't I sing a love song to my dad? Exactly. Father knows best. How white is that? What kind of <laughs> what kind of dad is this? Is this um, this is kind of creepy? How about if Miley Cyrus yeah. sang it? Would that be all right? Is this dad or a a daddy? This oh, like leather daddy. Very, uh, yeah, I think it's better if you think of it in a bear's type of. In other words, think of it in a 1962 version. 
I like my version better. Involves leather. I'm thinking of Tobias Funke's, um, like, barbershop quartet singing this. I'm thinking of Bo Breedlove, frankly. I mean, Actually, I'm not going to lie. That's, that's exactly what I'm saying. I'm, uh... That would be a great duet. With, I mean, that's really all I'm seeing right now. Charity. I'm just... You know, I'm just seeing some chiseled, uh, probably greased-up youth uh, walking around in, like, a Turkish towel and then, like, stopping to lovingly stroke the picture frame and then, like, in the picture frame is, like, Harvey Weinstein. You know, squatting on a, a sofa chair looking longingly out of a window with no pants please, on. Please don't say squat. <laughs> that makes me think of Raymond Burr. No one wants to think of that. Wow, this is really, really, really hella white. All right. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, in Tim Riley's estimation, what is the whitest song ever recorded? Here is Paul Peterson's white sister from the Donna Reed show, Shelley Fabres. Oh, this is Johnny this, Angel. Song. this song's kind of awesome. Number one. And every DJ in the world has been burnt on this song because there's no intro to it. But you hit the secondary post, though. Yeah, I tried. That song reminds me of the episode of My So-Called Life, the Halloween episode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. With uh, Juliana Hatfield. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that the one with Ju- No, that's the, Christ- that's the Christmas one. Oh. No, this is the one where they get locked in the school overnight. Oh, right. And then she meets up with that the guy who dies. Or... No, the, yeah, the guy who dies at, from doing a, um, like a prank on a prom night and falls off the ladder. vaguely remember that. This is kind of a spooky song. I just remember how hot she was. Is she dead? Who? Shelly Fabre, Fabre, oh, whatever her name is. No, she was also in, the, what was it, Dallas or uh, Destiny or Debbie or Dallas. One of those D shows from the 1980s. <laughs> I can't remember which one. Kelly Clark from the Willamette Week. I'm stunned right now. The, uh, the musical company here could not be more awkward. But uh, new yeah. issue on stands now today at this moment? Yes. Yeah. Uh, or you can always uh, read the whole paper at wweek.com. There's one thing coming out that's really cool. We're doing a contest called Shuttered PDX. Mm-hmm. Go to wweek.com backslash shuttered. We want you to take uh, photos of the recession and send them to us. Oh, so it's like a photo that it captures, that embodies uh, yeah, the recession. Basically, we want to use your depression to, you know. Like over like kitchen cabinets full of Easy Mac and stuff? Exactly. Or the fact that there's a new dollar store in the Civic, uh, you know, right across from PGE Park. So this is like uh, where you're going to take uh, bad things that have happened to other people and you're going to wring entertainment out of them. Yeah, we're, we're good at that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Get in line. But, uh, we approve. I think we're going to do, we're, we're working on a package. And so I think the winners of the contest, whoever sends in the photos that we think best evoke the depression or what's going on right now, uh, will be in the paper in a couple of weeks. So it's really cool. And you can also leave a message. You can type your phone number in and then, you know, so the do automated system will call you. In? No, it's, it's, it's fine. Somebody but you else. can basically leave a rant that's specifically for this about Oh, the, like a Twitter. It's kind of like an audio Twitter, yeah. Okay. So it's pretty cool. I'm going to have to impose like some sort of a, like a swearing jar in the studio for the word Twitter. I can already sense it. Like <laughs> as of tomorrow. It's, we're going to have to have some sort of tariff will have to be imposed. All right. Kelly Clark from the Willamette Week. Thank you. Thank you guys so much. The Rick Emerson Show resolves after this. It is Rock 101 KUFO. Don't go anywhere. Back in just a moment, kids. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It is Rock 101 KUFO. Uh, by the way, that, that was so that was the Foo Fighters. Uh, Dave Grohl, obviously, just back on that for a second. Uh, Dave Grohl, Nirvana, Seattle, blah blah, Pearl Jam. We were playing the Black from uh, MTV Unplugged, and I was speculating that I didn't think it had ever come out on DVD, mm-hmm. even though it's legendary. It was just, and I don't know why it never came out, which makes no sense because it was just instantly iconic. Their performance. 
Uh, this email from Jenny says, Pearl Jam just re-released and remixed 10, leading up to the 20th anniversary of the band. With that, they have also finally released Unplugged on DVD. I've already watched it about 100 times. Uh, it was right that it was just a, it was a bootleg thing uh, for a long time that you weren't able to, uh, you know, you couldn't really get anywhere. Uh, let's see. And then I had uh, something here about uh, having my baby. I'll skip that. Somebody this one, wants to have your baby? It's less said about that, the better. Okay. This one says, um, a different Jenny says, it sounds creepy when Tim says that Rihanna creates her own perfume. It sounds like she's excreting it from a gland somewhere in her body. She's a bit like a uh, she's a bit like a dog food that makes her own gravy, I suppose. Hey, you guys, as a side note, um, when we went to break, you know how you guys had muttered. I said that how that song around we had Tobias Fionke, and you guys had said the Bo Breed love. Oh, thing. there was we played this song by uh, the the My Dad song, which is a little romantic sounding. And I said that I was just thinking of Bo Breed love. Yeah, well, he just wrote me on Facebook. We're friends on Facebook, and he's like, I just heard that comment we about heard, oh Bo Breed love. Yeah, he just wrote. Let's see, uh, just heard your My Dad song comment about me. <laughs> how. That's awesome. No, he's he's a super like really nice guy. But so, it's weird. I did. I oh, it was via Facebook. Okay, for a second, I couldn't figure if it was. I couldn't figure if it was a Twitter thing or not. So no. No. Well, there you go. I guess Hi, the Twitter's Bo. out of order. No, it's now the uh, the number of uh, mechanisms by which now people can just sort of be inserting their comments. It's into... too stressful. I'm surprised that people leave the house. Or and then, but then again, I understand now why people have blackberries on them all the time. I was gonna say, don't you... everyone's always like. And don't you feel like there needs to be one application that they create that funnels everything into one sort of, uh, you know, the one feed of messages? I mean, mm-hmm. that's got to be the next thing. Is something that will automatically log into all of those uh, services? Called a master. Exactly. And it'll just sort of, uh, you know, it's one long, unbroken, like, stock ticker of comments. All right. Are we uh, doing this here? All right. So straight ahead, we will uh, wrap everything up. We'll find out what the biggest stories of the day were. And uh, we'll do uh, just a little bit of this uh, this new uh, awful No Doubt song. Yes, I want to hear it. Yeah, I got it all, uh, it's all racked up and ready to go. Yeah, fantastic. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. And we want to talk about Secret Aardvark Abanero Hot Sauce. You can find out more about them at secretardvark.com. That's just like it sounds. All one word, two A's at the beginning, one A later on. Secretardvark.com. And I will tell you that I'm not going to be so arrogant, and they probably wouldn't either, to say, like, it's the last hot sauce you'll ever buy. I will say this. You buy Secret Aardvark. You buy a bottle of that. You have it at the house. It'll be the most frequently used condiment you have. I'm telling you right now. It'll be the sauce you use more than any other. It'll be your go-to. It will be the default sauce seasoning uh, condiment for anything you're making at your house because it is the perfect middle ground between flavor and heat. It's spicy. I mean, there's no doubt about that. It's spicy, and it has that spice that just feels real because it's not chemicals. It's not uh, made in a lab somewhere. It's all natural and real ingredients. It's got tomato. It's got onion. It's got habanero. A little touch of vinegar to it. It's all mixed together. The recipe created right here in Portland. It's a Portland company, and it is wonderful. You can find out more about it at secretardvark.com. Get a complete list of stores and restaurants where you can either try it or uh, where you can buy it. And, of course, if you don't see it at a store or restaurant, you got to demand that they carry it. Find out more at secretardvark.com. Secret Aardvark habanero hot sauce. One sauce to rule them all. The Rick Emerson Show returns. Don't exchange blood with a hooker. Oh, that touches me. This is Rock 101 KUFO. It is the Rick Emerson Show. It's uh, Rock 101 KUFO. Don't forget, coming up at 9 o'clock, Smells Like the 90s with our good friend Buzz. We'll be listening for that. Join us tomorrow when our guests will include Aaron Duran from GeekInTheCity.com, from the National Enquirer, Dorothy Carcassari, and Chris Paddock's Top 5 Widest Songs 
ever committed to vinyl. Uh, hey, speaking of songs, so I'll just do this real quickly. I, uh, I'm not going to play the whole thing. But I think this was uh, this was sort of leaked out uh, today, last night, something like this. This uh, hit the Intertron. So whether you're interested because you're a, a fan, and you're probably uh, not, but, or whether you just want to hear something awful. So this is the new single from No Doubt. This is called Stand and Deliver. And I have to say, when I listened to it this morning, it seemed like unbelievably bad. Maybe less so now. I've had my caffeine, so we'll see. Uh, I'll just give you a little taste of and this. And we'll listen to the rest of it tomorrow. If you really decide that it's necessary. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> But wait for her accent, though. That's the best part. The uh, the new No Doubt song. I missed the horses the first time around somehow. Long the dandy highwayman who you're too scared to mention. I spend my cash on looking flash and grabbing your attention. Oh. The devil take your stereo in your record collection. The way you look, you qualify for next year's old age pension. Yeah. And she does, I think, the whole song in that uh, in that voice. Holy crap! Really? She sounds like a parody of herself. It leaves much to be desired. <laughs> That's just. Oh my god! You've got to make it stop. Fail. <coughs> oh, what a bummer. Tim Riley has been tracking the following stories on this Thursday morning. There's been a compromise. The Made in Oregon sign will stay, but they'll take off the Madoff part, and it'll just say Oregon with a deer on top. And then the uh, and then at the bottom, it's going to say Old Town, but it's going to be in the duck's color. Mm-hmm. It's going to be green. And then uh, Lindsay Lowen is the saddest girl in the world right now, and parts of Wayne Newton turned 67 today. Did we ever figure out which parts they were? Or is that left to the imagination? That's up to the imagination. As long as it's the sweat glands uh, that douse all those handkerchiefs with his own perspiration so that uh, <laughs> fat women in the front row can fight over them. For those That's who care to imagine thing. that type of thing. <laughs> yes, that would be me, Tim. That's what I'm going to be doing right after the show today. We want to thank Kelly Clark from the uh, Willamette Week. We also want to thank uh, Chris Paddock for joining us for Rock... Uh, for uh, Lost in 408, as well as Dick Giuliano from CNN Radio uh, Capitol Hill and Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com. Rick Emerson, show produced today and every day with the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dylan for Rock 101 KUFO. On the phones, Greg Nibbler, uh, Tim Riley at the news desk, uh, the uh, gatekeepers, Dave Zinn, the webmistress, Bridget from upstairs, CBS Radio Portland, marketing guru, Susan, do not F with me, Reynolds, and of course, uh, the executive producer, Christopher J. Paddock. My name is Rick Emerson. Thank you for listening. We'll see you all tomorrow. It is April 9th, 2009, and that is The Frequency, Kenneth.